When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Want to know another Snapple fact? The first hot air balloon passengers were a sheep, a duck, and a rooster. Ridiculous. Check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavored Snapple near you. This show is part of the Head Stuff Podcast Network. This is how it's always been. I'm on the outside looking in. Welcome to Double Love, the podcast in which we explore the strange and terrifying world of Sweet Valley High, book by book. I'm Anna Carey. I'm Karen Moynihan. And this week it's Christmas in August because it is. A deadly Christmas. Oh my God. Well, of course it is. I mean, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's been a matter of weeks since Margaret. So of course a year has passed. <laughs> I mean, seriously, the fact that this, I mean, it feels like it's been never ending miniseries has taken us from in the Sweet Valley universe, like June mm-hmm. to December yep. is unparalleled in the history of this series so far. I feel like this is the most that they've just taken the piss with the timescales and time Agreed. frames. Agreed. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, but uh, yes, allegedly it's a deadly Christmas, not deadly in the Irish sense. Um, <laughs> no, because this Christmas is terrible. <laughs> oh my God. And it's fucking tedious. I am so glad we are on the home stretch of this oh, stupid mini series. Lads, we're so close. We, we hear you in the comments saying how much you hate Sue and Jeremy and you just want it to be over. And you know what? We're right there with you. We're so close <laughs> now. We're almost there. Just the second last episode and then one more and then we're free. <laughs> and, don't, and in fairness, listeners, you're going to have to brace yourself for this episode. And I know we say brace yourself a lot, <laughs> but you really will have to. And surely, I hope you're not listening because oh. there aren't enough pills in the world. <laughs> it just kill her stone dead altogether. <laughs> oh my God, it really would. Like, things happen in this book that I did not think I would see in the Sweet Valley <laughs> High book. <laughs> things happened that I was shocked to see in Sweet Valley University back in the oh, 90s and oh. <laughs> little did I know what was going on at a deadly Christmas oh my gosh all under our noses all this time waiting for us seriously well we won't uh, spoil any of these shocking moments right now <laughs> we will start as usual with taglines and blurbs and yes I do mean taglines because in the American edition which I do not have um, there is a cover tagline. Can you share it with us, Karen? I would be so delighted to share the return <laughs> of the cover tagline because it's a fancy, cool edition that I managed to have in my hands here. Uh, <laughs> and our cover tagline, most wonderfully, is Ready, aim, fire. Will will Jessica survive? <laughs> and you'll hear what, what image this accompanies in a minute. But when they say fire, they mean fire like... Flames. Fire, fire. 
But it also is a fire that happens at the very, very, very end of this book. With yep. a, a bit that we will not discuss in this episode. Mm-hmm. But so they're spoiling things for us on the covers and the back and everywhere. Oh, you know. they really, really do. Um, well, let's see if they spoil us with the tagline on the back too. Not really. Is Jeremy the man of Jessica's dreams or her nightmares? I mean, he's the man of my nightmares at this stage. Honestly, just... I just, I want him dead. I'm <laughs> so sick of him. <laughs> well, can you share the full blurb, please? I sure can. Okay. Jessica Wakefield is in danger. (gasps) (gasps) It must be Thursday. Surely. (laughs) Finally convinced that her fiancé, Jeremy Randall, is nothing but a two-timing criminal, Jessica plots to get even. Mm. (laughs) But when her devious plan goes wrong, Jessica is caught in her own trap, seconds away from a fiery death. Again, that is like the last 20 pages of this book. It's like so spoiling. For sake. Elizabeth Wakefield is scared for her twin sister and she doesn't know whom to trust. Nice grammar there. (laughs) Sue Gibbons really joined their side? Or is it Sue and Jeremy against the twins? If Elizabeth's instincts are wrong, Jessica will go up in flames. Oh, we should be so lucky. (laughs) No fucking chance. (laughs) Book three in the Spellbinding three-part miniseries. They lied. Sweet Valley will never guess the truth or the true amount of fucking books in this miniseries. Oh my God, they couldn't even keep it consistent with the same book because on the back of the British edition, which we got in Ireland, it says the final title in a spellbinding five part <laughs> miniseries. Oh my God. What the fuck? Hang on, what does it call the miniseries on the American edition? Because it says here the final title in the dramatic Love and Lies miniseries. That's what mine also said, but yeah, I feel like the the American editions didn't. What were the first two? Yeah, but what did, so if it's saying three part miniseries calling it Love and Lies, what did they call the first two in this sequence? Oh God, I think they were also Love and Lies. Oh, this is madness. But then you see on the spine of the American one, it's a super thriller and it comes up as Sweet Valley Deception. (laughs) (laughs) Because the werewolf ones on the spines of the American ones had Sweet Valley Horror. Oh my God. Deception. There are (laughs) subtitles and subseries just running amok. There is, they've lost control of the whole situation in Bantam books. I don't know what the hell was going on in there in 1994. (laughs) Yeah, they're developing genres like deception. Horror is a genre. Deception. Is not sure it is. <laughs> I guess it is now. <laughs> if Jessica Wakefield says so, then it is. <laughs> well, speaking of deception, there's a surprise in store with the American edition of the cover, which I only saw on the internet today. And frankly, I'm dazzled. I mean, I'm not surprised uh, because, yeah, that is the physical copy that I have, which I feel extremely lucky to have in my hands because it is is just delightful. So the cover, like as you're looking at it all closed up, um, it's Sweet Valley High in the logo, but like the high bit is like embossed with a lovely foil on the green, very festive with red and green on the text. Uh, And there's kind of two snowy Christmas trees at the front. We can see kind of the cabin um, with sort of snow and the the timber outside of it. And you can just see this kind of part of the window of the cabin kind of peeking between the two trees. Uh, mm. So then when you open out the book, you actually see through the panes of the window. So when you open <gasps> the book, 
it reveals a <gasps> not very merry Christmas scene. <laughs> Because it does, in fact, reveal the sitting room of the cabin with a Christmas tree on fire. Oh, yes. <laughs> and in the foreground, we have Jessica Wakefield just like lying on the... Well, I say Jessica Wakefield. We know by now these are just absolute strangers on the covers of these books. Oh, uh, I can tell so you she is this, not dressing like... She's not dressed like oh, Jessica. This alleged mm, Jessica. Not in the slightest. Uh, so this random blonde girl masquerading as Jessica Wakefield is unconscious on the ground beside this uh, burning Christmas tree. It is extremely dramatic. We can see the figure of Jeremy like legging it through an open door in the background, just absconding from the scene. And it's fucking hilarious. It's so good. But also the outfit is so wildly on Jessica. Like she's wearing these sort of flat black um, like ballet shoe, ballet Yeah. Yeah. Blue pants. I guess they're meant to be jeans. They're very tight. So maybe very tight is... for 90s jeans, I can tell yeah. you. Yeah, maybe that much of it feels like Jessica. But then mm. she's got this kind of, it looks like a puffy white shirt, like very voluminously. A Seinfeld puffy shirt. Yes, it is a Seinfeld <laughs> puffy shirt. And what I guess, we can only see the back of it, of course, because she's lying on her front, but it looks like a red waistcoat of some sort. Yes. <laughs> Like, Jessica would not wear a red waistcoat. She would never. A, no. Not in the 90s anyway. No, definitely not. Maybe um, she uh, she found it in the array of gifts underneath the Project Na- Nature cabin tree. Despite the fact <laughs> this, tr- this cabin is in the arse end of bloody nowhere. They've mm. uh, rigged it out. This is canonical in the book. Uh, mm-hmm. Rigged it out with all sorts of decorations and I guess including gifts for for the Project Nature team? Who sure. knows? Why not? I mean, Project Nature seem to spend all their time just decorating a cabin in the middle of nowhere <laughs> rather than doing anything useful. But look, that's their that's their priority at the moment. Uh, yeah, but look, it all makes for an absolutely delightful uh, double cover type of situation because we've got the uh, the reveal <laughs> through the window because of course when it's all closed up and you can just see the little bit through the, uh, the trees, it does just look like, you know, a fireplace with a fire in it and a little stocking hanging and then of course you open it and it's like no it's murder (laughs) that fire isn't in the fireplace it's in the giant blazing Christmas tree in front of the fireplace there's just a little bit of it in the fireplace like it is done quite well I have to give it to them Uh, I I was very impressed Mm. when I caught a glimpse and I've only seen just like the two separate images on the internet so oh my uh, god a Google image search revealed these these beauties to me. Mm. Um, so, uh, yeah, if uh, Cressida is listening. <laughs> oh, shit. Coming, <laughs> I'm not saying you have to set a Christmas tree on fire. <laughs> to set fire to your house for the authenticity. <laughs> Sorry, but that's just the way it's got to go. <laughs> Maybe I'm just thinking of all that smoke. Oh God, that's what it is. You're just getting sympathy smoke inhalation with Jessica. Well, uh, we begin this cavalcade of chaos <laughs> where we left off, um, which was, if you recall, Jessica watching the video and recognising the, the, the cast off wedding ring that Jeremy was distinctively wearing on his pinky finger for some mm-hmm. insane reason. Yeah. 
Um, <laughs> so we get a sort of detailed like recap of everything that they've been through. Mm-hmm. And uh, at one stage, when Jessica's like looking again and again at the at the mystery kidnapper, she thinks it can't be. It doesn't make sense. None of it makes sense. Then again, she asked herself, when was the last time anything did make sense? I mean, that is a question we ask ourselves. Truly something we've been mulling over for the last fucking five books, 10 weeks, whatever fucking long it's taken us to do this. (laughs) A worrying amount of time, Um, which... uh, I mean, we do get a full recap of um, over the next like six pages. Mm-hmm. Um, by the way, in case you're thinking, Jessica must have forgotten Winston's video that showed, you know, Jessica and Sue lookalikes on the beach. She hasn't. She still remembers this. And yes, <laughs> by the end of page nine, she's like, ah, yeah, but it can't be him. I love him. Oh, God. It's it's just awful. Is it? <laughs> because there's so much ground to cover because there are, you know, four books as we know mm. in this mini series even though they like to pretend otherwise every so often uh, so they've got so much to kind of catch up on and by the time they're finished telling us all about that Jessica has convinced herself that it simply couldn't be Jeremy in this video like and it's just so stupid <laughs> so stupid because they set up that revelation at the end of the last book like a big yeah. game changing uh, cliffhanger mm. and yeah. then it's like uh, we get a little recap of everything we've already read and then it's like I oh, know but it can't be I love him and even though yeah he di- he was with us the whole time but I know he, that those uh, threat- threatening phone calls were recorded but like mm-hmm. still can't be him yeah no she's just just decided it just simply couldn't be uh, yeah that's just not not the situation at all <laughs> so she's just talked herself into it she's delusional basically <laughs> but she's delusional very very quickly like all the tension of the end of the last book was just yeah. completely pointless. Oh, just thrown in the bin. Yeah. Yeah. So we cut to Sue's POV. Uh, Alice is comforting her. And we learned that the, they actually did call the police and they actually turned up, which frankly, oh, I'm surprised by. It's amazing. But yes, there was in fact a detective on the scene at some point. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, she was just kind of thinking about how she's... Oh yeah, but it's weird because when they're talking about, or we see Sue, she's kind of wondering where Jeremy is. Uh, even though yeah. at the end of the last book, she had gone outside and realised, oh, he's ditched me. Like, he's not coming back. Yeah. And then like, they kind of go to her now and she's like, where is he? He never turned up. It's like, uh, the I cops know. have been and gone. Uh, like, yeah, it's very strange. And like, I know the consistency has been a total disaster from one book to another, oh. but just, that seemed like an important kind of plot point for Sue at the end of the last book. And then again, they just threw that in the bin too. And they were just like, mm, where is he? Where did he go? So yeah, Sue- anyway, it's, it's yeah, a mess. <laughs> Sue's character is so inconsistent mm-hmm. and um, like every single one of her big revelations is overturned, not even in the next book, within like a couple of pages <laughs> in most cases. And it's genuinely extremely frustrating. And like, I don't want to victim blame but Sue is a fucking idiot. I'm like, sorry, she's a dope. Like, there's so many opportunities for her to get herself out of this situation and just tell literally anybody. And she just doesn't. Like, it's just... She yeah, knows I, what they're doing is wrong. And she knows know. it like, isn't the Wakefields. I did have sympathy with her to a point, but eventually it's just like, damn it, Sue, you were just trying my patience at this stage. I had sympathy for in the last book where yes, it did yeah. feel like, you know... I mean, as convincing as any characterization could ever be in these books. But like, sure. it did feel it was somebody who'd gone in over their head and then they yeah. were like, oh shit, this is mm. not good. Um, 
And then, with you know, when she knows that she can't trust Jeremy. And then basically throughout this book, she's like, oh, but I love him. Like the last time, <laughs> even the end of the last book, she was like, oh, this was annoying uh, because it didn't make sense. But it still sort of showed that she didn't trust him anymore. She was like, oh, I guess I'm stuck with him now, even yeah. though I don't particularly want to be. But now she's like, where is he? It's oh, it's all over the place. Yeah. <laughs> Nonsense. So, uh, yeah, she again, she thinks how she knows it was all wrong. And, you know, she's been she thinks how kind the Wakefields have been. I mean, she has basically been living off them for like six months. Oh, my God. It's been so long that she's just been sponging off these people and living in their <laughs> house. Like, my God, get out, Sue. Go home. <laughs> I hope Al's got to just keep a little bit of the uh, meal kick fortune just to cover <laughs> Sue's expenses. Honestly, she's fucking earned it. <laughs> well, we do learn that the kidnapping, um, I don't think they explicitly said this the last time, is that it only came about because they thought the twins would blab about the kiss at the party. Um, and uh, things like, if only they'd known that the twins were going to sort of keep stum. Um, yeah. they, they didn't need to do it but they never mentioned that in the no, last book that was never part of the thing like again they truly are just making it up as they go along with this <laughs> well Sue realises that you know she can't trust Jeremy because like he's you know he's a consummate actor he's ruthless mm-hmm. he's driven yes. to greater and greater extremes by lust for wealth <laughs> um, but uh, she thinks like then, then literally a line later, she thinks, had she lost her true love forever? He's clearly not your true love, Sue. Oh my God. Because she's just, yeah, she's just gone through everything in her head. And she's like, oh, he doesn't love me. You know, my mother was right. It was all lies. He only cared about the money. And then it's like, oh, her true love. It's like, God damn it, Sue. Stay consistent within a paragraph at least. <laughs> Too much to hope for in this series, I'm afraid. <laughs> well, meanwhile, Liz asks Jessica where Jeremy is. Like, why has he called? He's been gone for ages. Yeah. And uh, Jessica is annoyed because um, she can't think of a single plausible reason for Jeremy's behaviour. And it looks it looks so fucking suspect because as far as everyone knows, like this is still the same day that Sue has been rescued from the kidnapping. Oh. Jeremy at last, like sight, was saying that he was heading out to the cabin to be closer to the action in case he was needed. <laughs> and then he just hasn't fucking turned up all evening. Like it's really odd. <laughs> Well, of course, then he turns up and Jessica's like, no trench coat, no sunglasses, no hat, no bandana, just Jeremy, wonderful Jeremy. It's like, he can take a hat off, Jessica, this proves nothing. (laughs) Like the Clark Kent disguise is something that would work on Jessica. It's like someone's wearing glasses and she's like, well, this is a completely different person. I've never seen this man before in my life. (laughs) He can't be the kidnapper. He's not wearing a hat. Not wearing a hat. Case closed, Your Honour. (laughs) (laughs) So Jeremy hugs Sue in a sort of, you know, yes I'm so (laughs) glad you're alive Mm -hmm. and uh, then of course he embraces Jessica who is typically delighted that Sue has to look at this (laughs) she's so happy yeah she's like feeling delighted about it and now she's uh, so happy because yeah apparently everyone including Jeremy had been worried sick about Sue for days now it's my turn to get some attention Jessica (laughs) oh So, Jessica. Well, Liz is unimpressed by all this nonsense, as are we, and also thinks something is just not right. Mm. Um, Like, 
we're reminded that she's never trusted Jeremy. It's entirely true. She didn't seem to have a problem with him at the beginning until she, I guess, until she found out about his romance with Jessica. Um, And we're told it's mostly because of his cheating. But in fairness, after a brief twin comparison, uh, she does think he's way too old for her. Yes, they do show that in every so often. And it's like, well, thank God someone's saying it because it's literally all we're thinking at all times. (laughs) (laughs) We didn't call that book Jessica's Secret Sex Offender for nothing, (laughs) listeners. So true. (laughs) Well, we're told that the unanswered questions whirled madly in Elizabeth's head like falling leaves on an autumn wind. Ooh, she's a writer, you know. (laughs) I mean, there are many cases where the uh, ghostwriter is clearly just putting in any old shite to fill out the word count. But I think in that, in this instance, they thought they had a a little hint of poetry there. Hmm. So, uh, yeah, uh, she goes into the kitchen for a snack and she's shocked to see Jeremy. Yeah, it's quite late at night, I think, at this stage. I think she might have mm. gotten out of bed even to, to get something. So yeah, so she's not expecting anyone to be in the kitchen. Oh. And of course, it's fucking Jeremy. Mm. Uh, so he's like, oh, sorry to scare you. We're all a bit on edge, aren't we? And she's kind of, she's just sort of creeped out by him because he is a massive creep. And it's just mm-hmm. nice to see someone see him for what he is. Um, so she kind of, when she sees he's there, she kind of just turns to leave because she just doesn't want to be in the same room as him. Um, and he offers to like make her a hot chocolate because that's what he's doing for Jessica. And she's like, no, thanks. I'm going to go. So then the fucking cheek of him, he calls after her as she's leaving. He's like, oh, you don't like me, do you? Oh, so he's really that kind of it's He's really putting her on the spot. And Liz is just like, oh, you you know what? I just I wouldn't put it that way. Like she just does not want to get involved in this at all. And he's just so creepy and smug for this whole scene. I was just like, someone please yeet this man off a cliff for this opportunity. For God's sake. Yeah, because he keeps saying, like, you will be so honest, don't you, Liz? Why don't you tell me to my face? And she's like, okay, fine. I don't like him. Yeah. And uh <laughs> Good for her. And then she he accuses her of being jealous. And it is so gross. Like, call the police back, Liz. They know where the house is. I know. But the thing of it is, it is done quite well because it is that kind of thing where it's someone you're just never going to get the better of them because they're always going to be, they'll always have something fucking smug and self-satisfied to say no matter what you do. And it's just frustrating even talking to them. So there's Mm. literally nothing to do but fucking get out of the situation because there's no winning with them. Like, Because, yeah, he says, Todd's just a kid. Or sorry, he says, you're used to sharing everything with Jessica, but now she's left you way behind. Todd's just a kid, a safe bet. You wouldn't know what to do with a real man, would you, Liz? I mean, again, call the police. That's what you should do with him. Nor nor fucking should she. She is 16. (laughs) Well, she rightly storms out and she hopes Jessica will see the light. And Mm. it is depressing that she doesn't think she should go she, you know, she doesn't consider going to her parents and saying, oh, you know what Jeremy just said to me? Yeah, in the kitchen. exactly. Like, oh, they both oh, think, she, we know Ned thinks he's a sex offender, though he hasn't taken that far enough. <laughs> no, Ned's just not taking it seriously enough. But also, there's going to be so many opportunities in this book for us to go, why don't they tell their parents? Oh my God. Yeah, <laughs> so let's just get it out of the way now. I was going to say, let's just get that frustration, like, knocked off the list right now, because otherwise <laughs> we're going to be here all night. <laughs> So at school the next day, Liz and Jessica tell their friends all, and then Lila and Todd tell their part, um, and everyone's like, ha ha ha, what a hilarious misunderstanding, apart from the whole, you know, your house guest being kidnapped and tied to a chair for three days. And Liz is the only one who's not, you know, who's still showing some sort of uh, concern over it, which of course annoys Jessica. 
Oh, of course. Yeah. So yeah, again, she's just annoyed that Liz isn't getting on with things and stopping worrying uh, because she just feels like, look, all the worrying is over. Pain in the neck, Sue is out of danger so everything can get back to normal. Um, And then she starts thinking about, oh, back to normal, make that heavenly because she's got a date tonight. Oh, unfortunately she does. (laughs) So later at the casa, uh, Alice tells Sue, it's nice to be a a family again. It's like, I think she adopted Sue, which (laughs) would be fine, but like, (laughs) like... Nice to be your family again. And also Sue is here. (laughs) Still. (laughs) So, um, yeah, Ned reminds him the kidnapper is still out there roaming the streets. And apparently Sam Diamond is following leads in LA. What leads? Oh, Sam. I love you, but come on, girl. (laughs) (laughs) So um, Ned points out that, you know, if the... Um, kidnapper tries to pass the fake money. Um, he, you know, they'll that'll bring him to uh, hmm. police attention. Yes. And of course, Sue, chill as ever, starts stuttering. Is like, oh, what? what? Oh God. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So she's just like, I mean, but won't he like figure out before then that the money's fake? Uh, and Ned is like, well, you know, if he does, then maybe he's not such an amateur after all. And uh, Alice reassures Sue that her inheritance is safe. Apparently she's been chatting to the accountant. So like a week from today, the yeah. money is going is due to be transferred into Sue's account. Yeah. Um, and Liz <laughs> notices that uh, Sue looks like she's suppressing a smile. So... Oh my God, oh, Sue! Suspicious. How dare she smile at her inheritance? <laughs> but also, like Sue, how did she think she had the capacity to carry out a s- scheme of subterfuge? Where anytime anyone <laughs> says like anything that you know could touch her to her real feelings about things, mm-hmm. she's all like, "What?" Or like oh, she's con- she is constantly like freezing or stuttering or fucking spluttering or something. Like yeah, she is just or smiling, like simply, gazing into the distance. God, she simply does not have a poker face, like in the slightest. Absolutely not. So Sue asks, "What ne- what's next for Sue?" Good fucking question. And uh, Sue's like, oh, "I hadn't really thought about." It. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, I suppose I'll go back to New York, look for a new job. You know, can't really stay on a project nature now that Jeremy's there. Uh, but like Liz kind of hears all this and then she's just like, none of this rings true or she just feels like something is off and there's something weird about all of this and Sue. Um, but she is interrupted, I think, because Jess then jumps up to say that she's going to Amy's house to mm. like the video club meeting. Um, and Alice is like, oh, but you didn't eat anything. But Jess is like, no, no, it's fine. There's, there's going to be food there. Uh, and she kind of hurries off um, and runs off upstairs to to get changed for video club, weirdly. Well, as she she is changing into a sexy outfit, which I'm sure (laughs) you'll describe at the end of this episode, uh, Liz, of course, knows that she is not in this video club and Mm -hmm. um, pops up to see what she's really up to. Jessica basically dares her to snitch. And Liz (laughs) won't, because she knows snitches get stitches. (laughs) She does want Jessica to see the light about Jeremy, which basically sets Jessica off in another tirade. Oh, God. Yeah, there's just no talking to her like at this stage. Um, Jessica's just like, how dare you judge him when you don't even know him and you don't know him like I do. He loves me. But like Liz tries to reason with her, but like there is just no talking to her. She's just like, no, he loves me. Case closed. That's it. Doesn't want to hear it. So there's just... Yeah, I think Liz just realises there's nothing she can actually do to stop Jessica from seeing him. It's like short of ratting ratting on her to their parents. And it's like... I mean, to be honest, her parents should be a bit more fucking proactive about keeping her away from this fully grown man. Uh, There you go. That ship has fucking sailed. This Uh, is one of the things where you should snitch. 
Because it's like she is going out with a grown man and she's a child. It's awful. But but they know that and apparently it's all fine. Um, but yeah. No, it isn't because she's sneaking. Her parents think she's not seeing him. Oh, that's true, actually. Yeah. But anyway, look, Liz is just like kind of hoping that uh, Jessica will will see the light, basically, and learn from learn from her lessons, which she never does. Um, <sighs> and just hopes that she won't have to learn the hard way what uh, what Jeremy's really like. Mm, well, we've all seen that very spoilery cover, so I oh, think we know <laughs> what's what lessons she's going to learn for about five minutes, and then mm. it'll be forgotten. Well, we cut to the uh, Cypress Point Cafe, uh, where Jeremy toasts Jessica, and Jessica's having a whale of a time. Thinks uh, that Liz doesn't know anything about adult love. Oh, bitch, neither do you. You're sixteen. <laughs> I cannot. <laughs> yeah, she thinks Liz and Todd have a juvenile high school relationship. They simply hadn't scratched the surface of passion. Whereas Jessica and Jeremy. It's like, uh, does that dot 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 mean hand jobs? What are we talking about? <laughs> <laughs> well, if we know anything about the Sweet Valley universe, we know that there is literally nothing between undoing a few buttons on a silk blouse and the mm-hmm. full vaginal penetration (laughs) there's kissing and there's full on sex and that's it there is no in between nothing in between it is insane as I said last time I've been reading the SVU books and when Liz and Tom Wildman Watts get together (laughs) it's like bear in mind they're 18 Hmm. Uh, there's a little bit of you know button fumbling and it's like no no we can't it's too soon it's like (laughs) I'm not ready to take the step. And this, I mean, you might think the step is just blouse unbuttoning, but she is talking about sex and it is wild to me. I mean, American listeners, do let us know, was this based in any way in reality? Because it's a big thing in American TV series and books and stuff from this time. And even kind of today, where it's sort of assumed you're going to go all the way or it'll be just kissing barely with tongues. Like, like, where the grey area, guys. There's so much fun to be had in the grey area. <laughs> it's a very big area. It really is. <laughs> well, uh, Le- Jessica is, uh, I don't don't think she's even in that area, but um, she nearly fainted with ecstasy when Jeremy gave their name at the restaurant as Mr. and Mrs. Randall. And uh, then after she takes a delicate bite for salmon en croute, um, Jeremy offers her a gift to show his feelings. Oh God, yes. So he hands her this like fancy velvet box and when she opens it, it's this like audaciously expensive looking gold bracelet. Uh, it's got like tiny sapphires on it. So Jessica is absolutely thrilled with this um, because, you know, it goes with her sapphire and diamond engagement ring and it's the most beautiful gift anyone's ever given her. So she's speechless uh, <gasps> at this amazing gift. Um, so, yeah, so he's, <laughs> I guess he's just like, yes, this is amazing. Um, but yeah, the, the rest of the meal passes in a blur. So they uh, they go for a walk on the beach afterwards. They sure do. Uh, so they stroll along by the surf and they kiss. And the kiss goes deeper, Ooh. more urgent. Now, Jer- Jessica has her arms around his neck. Uh-huh. So that's all. Okay. It's all above the waist. 
Um, but Je- then Jeremy pushes the collar of her blouse aside. <laughs> what fucking oh teens in the 90s were going on dates wearing blouses? I don't know. These ones. Uh, <laughs> These ones were all the time, constantly. <laughs> but then he says, that bracelet is just a little token. It doesn't begin to show the depths of my feeling for you. What I feel is so strong. I just don't know if I can wait until our wedding night to show how much I love you. Oh my God. (laughs) And Jeremy says what we're thinking, uh, or Jessica says what we're thinking and says, oh, Jeremy, are you saying what I think you're? And Jeremy's response is clear. Oh God, yes. He says he wants them to be together, really together. I want us to belong to each other, body and soul. (laughs) Herman, my pills! (laughs) Surely, wake up! Oh my god, <laughs> she's dead. <laughs> Seriously, like she thought Jessica going on a date with a carny was enough to give her an aneurysm. <laughs> this, oh god, it's horrendous. But yes, yeah, so he, he he murmurs, uh, Friday night. Apparently, he's going to scout out the perfect romantic hideaway for them. So it's all going to go down on Friday night or someone going oh! down on Friday night. <laughs> well, I hope so, because they should be doing, you know, maybe try that first. Oh, God. <laughs> well, Ugh, just awful. <laughs> really is. Yeah, sorry. I just remember the age. The age yeah, gap. I know. But Nobody just, try anything. Just so, fucking six feet distance at all times, please. <laughs> well, speaking of distances. We cut to the garden of the casa, which must be the size oh. of a fucking football pitch. Like <laughs> the Wakefield estate, I think you mean. <laughs> because who should be lying together in a pa- in a hammock, shielded from the view of the house only by the fronds of a palm tree? Well, some palm tree. Uh, yeah. Well, yes, I guess it's later that night and it is Sue and Jeremy <gasps> canoodling in a hammock. <laughs> Garn, come on. Like, mm. how have these fools up and caught? Honestly, no one is anyways subtle. It's ridiculous. <laughs> so they're like saying that they love each other. And Sue uh, admits that she was afraid and when she was in the cabin that he she thought he didn't love her anymore and he apologises for being so rough with her because he was just so tense and so stressed out. Uh, so she forgives him. Ugh. Like, it's awful. Because uh, he was so horrendous to her. Like, he was genuinely scary to her in that He last. tied her to a chair for like but, three days. With fucking rabies <laughs> Hanging out in the corner. Um, yeah, it's terrible. But, um, yeah, so they kind of reassure each other that they still love each other and he's like, yeah, you know, next week the money will be yours fair and square and we'll hang around for a few days so no one gets suspicious then apparently the plan is that Sue is going to fly back to New York supposedly alone and he'll be leaving on a Project Nature business trip but he's like but it'll really be you and me and half a million dollars in a tropical paradise what a life I mean what a life for like I don't know, a couple of years. I mean, you'd have have a couple of really nice years and then you're pretty much back to square one. (laughs) And you're still on the one. So, Mm -hmm. you know, you can't even go get a normal job. No. (laughs) Well, Sue again says she wishes that uh, they know the the twins would keep their traps shut Mm. um, because the kidnapping was pointless and now the police are looking for the kidnapper who is of course Jeremy Mm -hmm. but uh, he says they could hunt all they like but they won't find me (laughs) Um, so Sue's like okay fair enough 
But uh, the one thing she can't stand is him being all cosy with Jessica. <gasps> yeah, she can't wait to get out of Sweet Valley when she'll have them all to herself again. Um, mm. So Jeremy reassures her that the only reason he's hanging out with her is because it was the, fool- the foolproof way to break up the wedding and get her money back. And Sue isn't completely convinced. She's like, so you, you don't like her even a little bit, do you? And mm. he's like, oh, she's a child. Yeah, yeah, yeah she is. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> totally unsophisticated. No girl could hold any charms for me compared to you. Um, so he kisses her and that that is enough to convince her that uh, he loves her and her alone. Oh, um, so... Yeah, it's just grim, really, to be honest. <laughs> and very frustrating. So yes. you came so close to escaping Honestly, his clutches. A few times. Like, she's come to the conclusion a few times that he cannot be trusted. He doesn't love her anymore. She needs out of this entire situation. And yet, here we are, in a fucking hammock. <laughs> <laughs> her and Jessica are as gullible as each other. Honestly, they're quite the pair. <laughs> well, meanwhile, Jessica is feverishly lying in bed. Heart racing, uh-huh. eyes wide opening, mm-hmm. until a tingly shiver chases <laughs> up and down her body and she kicks her feet under the covers. Well, it's just because she's thinking about Jeremy so hard. There's nothing else going on. <laughs> very, very hard. That's just... <laughs> Super hard. <laughs> yes, just rubbing one out of her, of her mind. Rubbing all thoughts of anybody else out of her mind. That's what I meant. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's and, um, <laughs> she's she is scared about what's to come. Mm-hmm. But she th- she knows that her feelings for Jeremy are real. And we're told that even with Sam, it oh. was not this serious. Now I seem to remember they had to her and Sam had to keep apart from each other because they were so horny. <laughs> yeah, it was a whole fucking thing. It was a fucking B-plot of its own, mm. I think, wasn't it? <laughs> that they were so horny they couldn't see each other because it, it just... was! <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. But yes, no, at this stage now, Jessica uh, figures that she's she's old enough to make this mature decision um, because apparently her and Jeremy have a one-of-a-kind love that was never going to die. So she just thinks about, you know, what it's going to be like and how he can't wait to find out and neither can she. Um, so she's like, you know, why why should we wait? We're madly in love and we're practically married already. So she's like, I'm old enough and it's the right thing to do. After all, I'm an engaged woman. I mean, I presume 16 was the age of consent then in California at the time. No yeah, but... I don't know. Like she does keep saying she's old enough, which implies mm. legally she was. God, but um, yeah. oh, I mean, I don't know. Doesn't matter even if it's legal. No, doesn't Still matter. Gross. Still gross. <laughs> Just because it's legal doesn't mean it's not gross. <laughs> <laughs> well, we cut back to Jeremy watching Sue sneak back into the house. Apparently, she's a ghostly figure in her pale <laughs> nightgown. Brilliant sneaking there, Sue. So good, just wafting around like a ghost in the fucking garden. <laughs> Nothing to see here, people. <laughs> so we're told it's been a busy evening, but he's enjoyed juggling his two ladies. Um, but he, he is frustrated by all the roadblocks in his path to freedom and uh, vast fortune. <laughs> yeah, so this is the thing. He reckons had the ransom money been real, he'd be on an island in the South Pacific by now. Okay. Uh, so, of course, once he figured out that the money was fake, he had to like hurry back to the Wakefields to re-establish his innocence instead of deserting Sue as he'd intended. <laughs> oh. 
But uh, we find out that he's got a one-way plane ticket stashed away um, with a new strategy now because with the money being transferred into the New York bank account electronically, uh, he reckons there's all sorts of things you can do with computers these days if you're smart and ready to what? run a few <laughs> risks. And I fucking uh, love how vague this <laughs> the plot is because it's like, hmm, computers, eh? <laughs> Leave it to me, said Jeremy. <laughs> and then that's what happens. <laughs> I guess you could just hack into a bank system, which sure. either in the 90s I don't think it was that easy <laughs> well I've got a floppy disk and a lot of determination but I think I've got this you guys <laughs> like this isn't Ferris Bueller changing his grades in, <laughs> in Ferris Bueller's day off oh my god it's gas but yeah so then we just... get oh sorry Oh yeah, no, I was just going to say that, yeah, he's he's like literally licking his lips thinking about thinking about the inheritance. <laughs> he's so horny for that money. <laughs> well, he also uh, has a little voice in his head that says, Patience! <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> a week from Saturday, you'll be out of here! Amazing. <laughs> I mean, didn't think I'd see the return of the voice, but it makes sense that it's Jeremy. Maybe all the baddies have, like... I don't know, Luke didn't. No, mm. he did. It was a werewolf voice. He did as well. They're all possessed one way or another. <laughs> yeah, absolutely disgustingly, he thinks, while he's having patience, he <laughs> gets to shag a teenager. Ugh. It's so gross. Yeah, he's like, might as well get some kicks along the way. And it's just like, oh, put him in a meat grinder, please. I hate him so much. <laughs> he's just so creepy. We'll be cushed to the Spanish child's kitchen the next morning where Liz is making fruit and yogurt parfaits. Mm. Oh, la da <laughs> And just granola involved in everything. It sounds very fancy. <laughs> well, uh, Sue uh, doesn't want any fruit and yogurt parfait. She just wants coffee because she's not sleeping well after her traumatic kidnapping. Um, And of course, Liz thinks she's a bit shifty again, but Jessica doesn't notice because uh, uh, she says, I'm tired too. I was awake all night thinking about how much fun I had at the video club meeting. And again, she's winking at Liz. Like (laughs) none of these people have any chill whatsoever. (laughs) None at all. So of course, uh, oh yeah, is it Sue actually asks Jessica was she out with Jeremy last yes. night and Jess is like okay that's none of your business um, but then Sue was like look I don't want to butt in but I do care about you you know you and Liz are like sisters to me and I don't want Ooh. to see you hurt the way I was um, but Jessica again doesn't want to hear it. she's like well you know it's going to be different with me than the way it was for you guys because he'd never hurt me because he loves me uh, and Sue was like yeah but he's a two-timer he'll just use you until someone new comes along but of course Sue is kind of doing all this because she wants Jeremy so it's more to try to put Jessica off even though everything she's saying is actually true yeah I know I mean it's well I mean, I mean no we, we haven't reached the stage where Sue is actually genuinely concerned yet mm, no um, I think she's just at the end of her tether because of Jeremy keeping uh, keeping out seeing Jessica, Jessica all the time yeah she's just lost patience with it but yeah and I think even Liz is kind of watching this like whoa what's going on here because Sue yeah. had always been kind of like grudgingly polite to Jess mm, uh, up until more polite this point. than I'd have been to be honest true <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but she's just like look you know just thinking about him makes me feel sick like you know break the engagement before he breaks it for you you know take my advice save yourself basically um, but Jessica's like well if you feel that way Sue why don't you go back to New York <laughs> And she just walks out and it's like, do you know what? In fairness to her, she's got a point. (laughs) 
why is Sue still here? I mean, we do know now, but even with the scheme, she doesn't have to live with the Wakefield. She could have come back to New York. Really, honestly, like, yeah. And as far as the twins are concerned, where they're like, oh, this is just what's happened now. Like, why wouldn't Sue just be like, I need to get out of this fucking town. Nothing good has happened for me here. I have no friends here. Oh, God. She has a life in New York, as far as we know. (laughs) Allegedly. Yeah. Well, uh, Jessica stomps off and um, Sue or Liz is kind of, uh, you know, again, taken aback. And Sue apologises to her. And Sue, or Liz ponders how mercurial Sue is because, you know, one minute she's all cool about the uh, kidnapping and the next she's all (laughs) traumatised by it. So she remarks um, about how... She marks that Jeremy was very worried when he was when Sue was kidnapped and says, look, it must have been really scary. Like, I know they ripped your necklace off. And again, Sue, ever the the great uh, undercover agent is all like, mm-hmm. oh, what? Oh, yeah, yeah, my necklace was ripped off. Uh, well, I'm going to bed now, bye. <laughs> yeah, she almost runs out of the room. And Liz is kind of watching her and she's like, well, that was weird. It's <laughs> like, why doesn't Sue seem so sure about what actually happened? Like, she doesn't have, seem to have her own story straight. And it's like, is it because it was just so upsetting and she gets flustered thinking about it? And she's like, or is there another reason? Um, <gasps> but again, Liz just feels like this whole thing is tangled and messy and there's something off about everything. She's yeah. like, Sue and Jeremy, Jeremy and Jessica, Sue's inheritance. She's like, there's just something really weird happening here, but she just can't put her finger on it. Well, he cushed to Sweet Valley High. Where Jessica is dreaming about tomorrow night's date and about something that I seriously did not think we would ever see a reference to in a Sweet Valley High book. And certainly not Sweet Valley High of all the Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, I knew they were mentioned in the... Sweet SVU books. Sure. I mean, that, I that makes gasped. Yeah. Oh, same, honestly. Like, because at first she's like, oh, you know, tomorrow Jeremy's going to show me how much he loves me. What am I going to wear? And then, like, <laughs> shockingly, again, for Sweet Valley, it cuts to her thinking, you know, she knew there were practical, serious things to consider, like birth control. What? What? <laughs> Herman, my pills again. Honestly, my birth control pills, Herman, please. Because, um, <laughs> you know, it, we we're kind of getting Jessica's um, monologue here and she's like, you know, she has to protect herself from pregnancy and sexually transmitted diseases. STDs in Sweet Valley. Ah, what? She'd be sure to take care of that. It would be easy enough to buy condoms at the drugstore. I swear to God, I really fainted seeing the word condoms. It's that was it. <laughs> I g- literally gasped when I saw oh, okay. the word condoms. I actually kind of, I, I do think it's really good that they mentioned them. I also oh, honestly, like yes. that they thought they said uh, Jessica's like, yeah, it'll be fine. I'll go buy some. Because hmm. I think especially, I mean, not that it was, uh, it was entirely theoretical when I was 16, but even if you, <laughs> you know, when I was in college and it wasn't, yeah, I think I was embarrassed about like, but I remember the first time buying condoms. Um, oh, definitely. I was just like, well, I'm not going to be using these. Bye. Oh, God. <laughs> Water balloon fight. <laughs> but like, yeah, just, you know, it's 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 such a relief to, to see it. And when you do see it in this book, and it's just like, well, good. Thank fuck for that. Because yeah, honestly, like if they're going to be talking about Jessica actually having sex, well, you know, I'm just glad that they do actually mention things like fucking STDs, pregnancy, birth control, buying condoms. And like, again, it's kind of gas because this is like 94 and 
When, so like in Ireland, was it 91? No, when was it you could actually buy condoms in Ireland? Well, you could buy, get condoms from 79, but it was 93 was the famous Virgin Megastore case, which was when you could buy it not like in a chemist. In a chemist yeah. Where the Virgin Megastore got into trouble for just selling them behind yeah. the like behind the counter. But even like I started college in, you know, October 93. And by then there were condom machines in the college toilets. And you right. did see them in bars and stuff. So that was when I just turned 18. So it's mad just the difference that made because it meant that within, you know, by the time by the time it was non-theoretical yeah. as an issue, like it was very easy to get them. Whereas yeah, know, three years know. earlier, it mm. was not. You'd have to go to like a chemist, which were not open at night or, you know. Of course, yeah. Possibly your local chemist where you knew people. Well, you so. knew people. It's like, no, <laughs> I can't, no. <laughs> but yeah, it's, uh, it's really impressive mm. to see Jessica being like, yeah, I'll just go into the like... I know for, for all our shock, we are actually we are genuinely delighted that she's thinking about this. <laughs> like because yeah, it's it's a relief. <laughs> well then she has some uh apart from you know the practicalities, she oh. starts pondering the romantic aspect. Oh, I love this. Yes, she's like candles, maybe a bottle of wine, some soft music. And then she's like, mm, what kind of music? Classical? Then she's like, no, that's too fancy and formal. I wouldn't feel like myself. Whitney Houston, that's it. <laughs> and Whitney's got the slow jams. So good for you, Jen. <laughs> Oh, I'd like to think it's uh, I want to dance with somebody. <laughs> she does want to feel the heat. She sure does. <laughs> with somebody who loves her. It's actually quite appropriate. Well, there you go. Yeah, just unfortunately, that's Jeremy. <laughs> <laughs> well, to the middle of her fantasy, mm-hmm. who should she bump into? But someone we have not seen often enough in recent times. Oh, I'm so glad to see him. It's Ken Matthews, everybody. Hooray. He's just Ken. <laughs> he is Ken Uff. <laughs> <laughs> well, Jessica makes a joke about, because they bump into each other and Jessica's like, oh, not the football field. Do you look like, do I look like an opposing lines man or something? And Ken is like, hardly. But then he blushes. It's like, oh, you look really pretty today. Oh, <laughs> yeah. He says he really likes the dress that she's wearing. And she kind of glances down and she's like, oh, it's actually like really old because uh, apparently she doesn't really care about what she looks like going into school um, because she's not going to see Jeremy on yeah. those days. So apparently she's <laughs> saving the sex appeal for him as if it's a finite resource, which is hilarious. <laughs> well, I guess it is in her case. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, for old Ken. Uh, goes on his way and Jessica's like where was I? Oh yes I've slipped into something more comfortable <laughs> Jeremy's lit a fire in the fireplace oh, oh. foreshadowing oh. <laughs> and she continues her reverie indeed <laughs> well we cut to lunchtime where Pamela and Bruce are somehow co- haven't seen Pamela in a while didn't really miss her um, co- <laughs> they're co-chairing the mistletoe madness dance and the, you know they're giving out jobs to people. Amy and Barry are going to hang the mistletoe. And they'll make great mm. use of it. Oh. Uh, <laughs> Lila, of course, says she's not into manual labour, um, but the others urge her to work on the posters with Robbie. And then yeah. Winston asks how uh, Robbie's show is doing. Yeah, uh, so this is the thing because it's opening like the next Wednesday, but apparently Lila's kind of worried because as far as she can tell from snooping around his studio mm. he hasn't produced a single painting and obviously time is running out um, on, Robbie. 
I know. So then Winston is kind of like, oh, he's probably just overextended. You made him sign up for that business course, right? It's like, yes, remember that. Um, but, <laughs> but Lila is just like, OK, yeah, but like he has to do better than this. Like it's his, for his big opening. Apparently it could make or break his career. Um, and then Amy gets involved and she's oh like, yeah, but are you really that surprised that he's, you know, disorganized? Because this is classic Robbie, basically, you know, he's not a go getter and he wouldn't have taken that class if he hadn't made him. And he's living with his dad and postponing college. It's like, all right, Amy, relax. But uh, she's basically just tearing down Robbie, saying that he's got like a fear of success. Um, and uh, she's just surprised, apparently, that Lila hasn't lost her patience with him long before now. I think she is incredibly rude. It's so like, rude. It's sort of presented as being she's, you know, psychoanalyzing him because yeah. of her project to youth. Sorry, that's not that's not really psychoanalysis, but you know, she's trying no. to sort of read into him uh his his, hmm. his motivations and character yeah. because of her project amazing three hours of project youth training but it, it just sounds like she's insulting him for like a paragraph and she is she's being so rude and like no one fucking asked you amy but um <laughs> lila's really annoyed by this obviously but then uh she's like oh you know you don't know anything about artistic temperament and she's like for your information and then kind of realizes she actually can't think of anything to say in mm. robbie's defense but uh, she's rescued just in time uh by jessica turning up because she needs to talk to her alone she's got something important to discuss she sure does. She wants to ask her for a big favour because they have to go shopping tonight. Um, and Lila reminds her that uh, after her last charge at BB's, <laughs> she can't set foot in the mall until after the turn of the new millennium. Oh, so cute. <laughs> Millennium jokes. Love it. <laughs> oh, a nice little blast from the past. Love that. <laughs> so, of course, that is why Jessica wants Lila, because uh, she needs her to basically sponge off her. Um, <laughs> and Lila's like, well, what, what, what do you want? What do you need to buy? Like, what did, if it's so urgent, why don't you get it off your, your money off your parents? And mm. she's like, well, I don't want my parents to know what I'm buying. And Jessica just gives a sphinx-like smile. Um, and, uh, so, you know, when she asks, what are you planning to buy? Jessica's like, you'll see. <laughs> so annoying. <laughs> I'm like, no, okay, fine. You don't want fine. to tell me, you're not getting my money. Exactly. <laughs> but anyway, Lila gives in and will lend Jessica the money, but she will charge interest. And I think fair enough. Yeah, good for you. <laughs> so we cut to Liz and Todd, and Liz just cannot figure out Sue because now she's acting like she hates Jeremy. And Todd is like, well, I mean, you know, that shouldn't be surprising. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, seems pretty fair. <laughs> but Liz um, says, you know, oh, her reaction to the kidnapping keeps changing. Like, sometimes it seems like she's troubled by it and sometimes she seems fine. I mean, that seems quite normal to me after a traumatic Honestly, experience. that's how normal people react after something, yeah, big and dramatic happens to them. It's just the Wakefields that snap back to real life <laughs> with absolutely <laughs> no fallout. <laughs> this is very true. It's like they were back to normal after... <laughs> I mean, even the werewolf incident after mm-hmm. Margo. Yep. Um, so, yeah, they they really aren't ones to judge other people's responses to <laughs> traumatic events. But um, Liz says, you know, she likes Sue, but she feels like she doesn't know her anymore. And um, Todd says, well, look, you've done all you can. You're a good mm. friend. Yeah. And Liz says she still wants to solve the kidnapping mystery. But Todd's more interested in the mystery of who he'll take to the mistletoe madness dance. Oh, oh you. So yeah, oh. they are annoying and gross and <laughs> just shifting each other outside the boys' locker room. Uh, but yeah, that's um, yeah, that's kind of it for them. Is it she's Thank heading God. I know it's it's quick at least, because she's heading to the Oracle office. <gasps> that's it. <laughs> and a staff meeting has been called. 
Hi, Mr. Colin. Yay. All the all the fucking classic boys are back. Hooray. <laughs> all their faves. He's got news. Oh boy, does he. It is big news, you guys. Because as of today, our computers are online with Infomax. <laughs> Infomax also seen in Murder in Paradise. Fucking unreal. Yeah. So it's uh, it, they then helpfully explain what it is immediately um, when ugh, John Pfeiffer. Uh, what is he still doing here? He was not sports editor after no, the was not. raping incident. No, exactly. But do you know what? There's also there's another character that makes a very unexpected appearance in this book at a certain point. So I feel like this is more like a glitch in the fucking simulation oh. that is Sweet Valley rather than <laughs> actual rehabilitation for this character. So I think it is just someone slipping up here. Um, because there's no way he's still on the Oracle staff. Like, there's just not. Um, this is somebody but, who hasn't read a Sweet Valley book since, like, book 50 or something. Yeah, definitely. Um, but, yeah, they just got the notes for, like, just, you know, these are the people that work on the Oracle. Yeah. It just hasn't been updated. Um, but, yeah, so it's explained. Yeah, can we really use it to access newspaper files all over the country? So that's what this network system is, yeah. basically. It's basically LexisNexis, which was a real thing and is still a real thing and was a really early database of uh, media stories Mm. which like some newsrooms would have had access to in the days before the world wide web which Mm -hmm. was basically invented around the time this book came out like I first was on the internet in 1994 and that wasn't even a website that was like my friend who was doing computer science showed me the Usenet groups that Courtney Love was posting on. Oh, wow. <laughs> and that was the first thing in the one of the computer la- science labs in, in the, the science building in Trinity um, was where I first saw the internet and it was Courtney's rantings. Pretty cool. So, <laughs> but that's how small the internet was then, that like, it was. I'm amazed that a fucking high school newspaper had access to LexisNexis because the college newspaper that I was writing for around that time did not. <gasps> um, but yeah, they can all look up stuff about NAFTA, which, uh, but also because that's the first thing that Mr. Collins suggests, oh, like, like the North Atlantic Free Trade Agreement. It's just, you know what those kids can't get enough of is the North American Free Trade Agreement. <laughs> that much is for sure. <laughs> but also, Penny Ayala. <laughs> yeah apparently it's like yeah she's just really into this um but uh yeah they but they put in penny's name and a dozen or so oracle articles pop up and even a couple from the sweet valley news so it's like if you click on anything you can bring up the text and everyone's really impressed by this hmm. uh, and they're all like oh you can find out anything about anyone and it's like yeah as if you're not all going to type boobs into it at the first fucking chance you get <laughs> but uh, <laughs> yeah but liz kind of has a, a little brainwave um she thinks there's a little experiment she can't wait to try out Yes. And uh, as soon as the others are, are you know, have, have gone there, gone off because the, the after the meeting breaks up, Liz types in the name Jeremy Randall. And there's only two stories, one of which is about Project Youth and the other is an announcement of Jeremy's engagement to Sue in the Sweet Valley mm-hmm. News. And Liz thinks this is really odd. But like, there was nothing about me on the internet in 1994. <laughs> 
Oh, I love this, but I guess as far as Elizabeth is concerned, everything you do is so fucking notable. It gets written up in the Valley <laughs> local paper or anything you've written is good enough to be published by like a fucking LA newspaper as well. Like her frame of reference is completely out of whack with any normal person in the 90s. <laughs> yes. Like turning up in news articles. Because yeah, same. There, It's not like there was fucking articles about Karen Moynihan in the 90s <laughs> on the internet. It's like, no, I was 12. What do you think I was doing? <laughs> <laughs> That's the thing. Like, this is before it's I mean, I guess bulletin boards existed, but like most people wouldn't have been using their real names on them. And <laughs> like newspapers weren't online, college magazines weren't online, there weren't blogs that was we know them today. Like, what do you expect to find? But instead, she's like, it was almost as if Jeremy Randall had materialized out of thin air. It's so annoying because it's so <laughs> normal for there not to be anything pop up about some random person like on yeah. in the newspapers. Like, what do you think is going to happen? <laughs> I mean, if this was happening now when you couldn't find out anything about anybody, that mm. would be weird. But yeah. absolutely not nearly 30 years ago. Yeah. <laughs> well, on this frustrating technological note, we are going to take a little break because, as you know, we are proud members of the Headstuff Podcast Network. And uh, every episode, we'd like to share another podcast with you from the network. And this week, we're heading to the fireside, very apt, giving the cover of this book. Oh my God, the foreshadowing is out of control in this episode. <laughs> but yeah, so uh, Fireside is a folklore, an Irish folklore podcast by Kevin C. Olihan. Uh, and you can have a little t- taste of uh, the fireside here now. Fireside is the Irish storytelling podcast. Every week you'll hear tales of mythic Irish gods, Arthurian knights or Norse Vikings. There is folklore from Ireland and around the world, and even historical legends like Brian Baru and Gráinne Whale. Whether from poetry or prose, lyric or legend, if there is a good story at the heart of it, You'll find it here. I'm Kevin C. Olihan. I'm your host and fireside bard. With over 150 episodes and rising, there has never been a better time to join us by the fireside. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. And now... 
back to Sweet Valley, where Jessica is at cheerleading practice for what feels like the first time in about a hundred books. Oh my God, it has been so long since anyone's done a fucking handstand in these books, I swear to God. (laughs) (laughs) I have missed these bitches. (laughs) Well, Jessica doesn't give a fuck about practice and hurries off as soon as she can um, because she's going to meet Lila and thinks, boy, is Lila going to flip when she finds out we're going shopping for garters and teddies? Jesus Christ. (laughs) (laughs) But Um. then who should run towards her it's Ken again it's just Ken hooray he's everything and he's Ken (laughs) (laughs) but he's all nervous yeah he's all kind of um, blushing and tongue tied and even Jess is like well this is weird it's not like him Uh, and he's trying to ask her something and she's like "All right, spit it out Matthews Um, so he just says look I know you're probably busy but the gang is meeting at the Dairy Burger after the football game tomorrow night Uh, and he's wondering if and he kind of trails off looks all sheepish and he's like you know we just haven't seen you much lately you're never around being engaged and all uh and he says you know i uh the whole gang we all miss you oh it's very cute and jess realizes oh shit yeah the game but of course the next night is her riding date with uh with jeremy (laughs) (laughs) so she's like oh you know thanks for thinking of me but i do actually have plans um so he's like look i'll see you tomorrow like at the game or whatever so he's like oh okay i'll see you um so she heads off anyway because she's raring to go buy sexy sex clothes with <laughs> but, uh, but yeah it's just a really cute scene with Ken which I really oh. appreciated <laughs> Ken is adorable in this book he deserves better Thank than you. Jessica just saying that. oh I mean that goes without saying <laughs> also it, it is eventually revealed but I was kind of what reading these <gasps> scenes kind of going so Terry Adams is just left for fucking mm. dead lads what's going on here mm. <laughs> well yeah sadly they have broken up oh yeah now, it's I don't know. It was kind of just glossed over there. It was like thrown in as a line. I guess somebody was like, oh, wait, he's meant to have a girlfriend <laughs> the last we heard. But um, yeah, they had apparently broken up uh, a while previously. Yeah. How do, how do you feel about him ditching a statistician like yeah. this? I don't, I don't love it. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm glad to see him. So, you know, it seems like <laughs> Well, he is, as you say, adorable in this book. Mm-hmm. Well, we cut to the lime green triumph and Lila is heading to Robbie's before she meets Jessica at the mall. And when she finds him uh, in his studio, he's all, he's very blasé about this show that is happening in like five days. <laughs> he just has one unfinished painting. Oh God, yeah. And he's working on some charcoal sketches, I think, when she comes in and she's kind of like, oh my God, is that it? Um, He's like, you know, he's working out a composition for a painting of the marina and she's kind of looking at it. She's like, is that going to turn into a painting? And she's very sceptical about this whole thing. But yeah, he's very like, oh, you know, one of these days and maybe it'll be done in time for the opening. And yeah, he's very like laid back to the point of just completely being unbothered about this quite big deal for his career. Um, And Lila's getting a bit frustrated and she's like, okay, I can't nag him about this because she's like she can't change who he is um but she's also like just not able to to keep it in so she's just like so where are the paintings you are planning on exhibiting can I see them and he kind of gets all shifty and he's like oh you know to tell you the truth I haven't finished any of them yet um and she's freaking out because she's like the show is in less than a week what are you doing <laughs> so yeah he's just reassuring her saying look you don't have to worry I'll throw something together and she's like oh. you better than 
throwing something together. Um, but she's also like, we can't get into a row. And I'm also like, don't get into a row because it's so fucking annoying. Oh my God, we can't have another one. Come on. <laughs> I simply cannot. But she's like, okay, look, she she loves him, but she's not sure she has faith in him to uh, to actually deliver mm. on this. And Amy's also in her head now as well with her fucking rude psychoanalysis that nobody <laughs> asked for. Um, so it's kind of like, yeah, it kind of ends with Lila wondering, was Robbie a washout? So yeah, that's the, the vibe at the minute with Lila mm. and Robbie. Well, we cut to the ball and Jessica wants to head to Unique Boutique. <laughs> um, though Jess, uh, Lila stands up for own old favourites and says, uh, don't you like BBs and Lisettes? Yay! <laughs> Kiki left for dead. That's it. Get out of here, Kiki. <laughs> <laughs> But then Lila's like, Unique Boutique has mostly bathing suits and lingerie. And then she's like, free shopping for. <laughs> yeah, so Jessica uh, just kind of drags her off towards Unique Boutique. She's like, OK, come on, you'll see. Um, and in the meantime, Lila fills Jessica in on the whole Robbie situation. Yeah. Um, it's fine. I think Jessica just says, look. Follow your heart. It's, it's fine. Follow your heart. It'll be grand. Um, but yeah, so they get to uh, to the shop and Jessica heads straight for the lingerie section and she's like, ooh, they've got a lot of sexy stuff here. So she's rooting through all the sexy underwear. Uh, she takes out a teddy from the rack, holds it uh, up against herself and turns to Lila and she's like, what do you think? Um, and Lila's like, what do I think? I think you're planning on being very naughty. Am I right? <laughs> and uh, Lila is, uh, is, is basically, you know, Push, pushing her and Jessica mm. keeps modelling her flouncy, wispy <laughs> gowns. I'm not going to yes. give any details because I'm sure you're saving them from the end. <laughs> and Lila's like, spill at Wakefield. And uh, <laughs> Jessica says she and Jeremy had a very intense conversation last night. Yes, about the depth of their love. I love that mm. this is like basically mm. about having sex. It's like the depth of our love. The depth um, of your vagina, more like. Uh, exactly. Jessica. Come on. You took the words out of my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> so Lila's like, what about the depth of your love? <laughs> <laughs> Jess is like, oh, we might, we might go about showing each other how deep it is. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, bring a flashlight, Jeremy. You might get lost in there. <laughs> oh god. Anyway, eventually Lila realizes that she's talking about fucking. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so she. <laughs> Like, yeah, so Lila's squealing. They're both like jumping up and down, bouncing off the walls. Uh, Lila's like, I can't believe you're going to do it. Uh, and Jessica's trying to keep her quiet. She's like, do you want the whole mall to know? Uh, and Lila's like, oh my God, but this is such a big thing. Uh, and she's like, are you sure you're ready? Uh, and Jess is like, yes, of course I'm sure. But Lila's like, no, you'll wimp out. You'll buy a sexy nighty, but I bet you don't go through with the deed. <laughs> And Jessica, not, not convinced. And Jessica's genuinely offended and is like, I can't believe you're reducing my love life to the level of a common dare. When you become a woman, you'll understand that you just know when the time is right. And I think Lila should give her a slap for that. But instead, she just laughs. <laughs> she does. I think Lila's just over it. She's like, all yeah. right, fine. You're engaged. You're a woman. You're on some higher plane. Forgive me, a superior one. So she's just taking the piss out of her. Yeah, which also- I like. She is just, uh, she is excited for her though at the same time. She's like, oh my God, like you're going to be the first of any of us. And I'm like, is that really a big surprise though, Lila? (laughs) (laughs) It was always going to be her. Come on. So uh, yeah, Jess does admit that it's a little bit scary. Um, And then Lila's like, do you think Liz and Todd do? (laughs) Jess is like, are you kidding? (laughs) 
<laughs> and then Lila says, what about your brother and his girlfriend? And like, come on, they are living together and they're in college. Yeah. Of course they are. But um, Jessica has to ponder it, but does say like, oh, but you know, maybe they are, but you know, they're committed to each other. They're She does say they're in college. And then I guess she realizes, oh shit, that's implying it's only okay to do it if you're <laughs> a bit older, which of course it isn't. It's fine when you're coming out with a 23 year old and you're 16. Oh God. <laughs> Horrific. But yes, she says she's found her true love. Exactly. <laughs> but then we cut to the changing room next door. And who should be in there trying on a robe for her own wedding night? Oh my God, it's Sue fucking Gibbons. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, she's trying on a robe she's picked out for her wedding night in Rio with Jeremy. So she's, uh, yeah, basically in the adjacent dressing room. She can hear all of this. She's just like, what the fuck? Did Jeremy really say that to Jessica? Like, is he actually taking this game with her so far? Mm. Uh, And she's like, and if so, what does that say about how he feels about me? So she's like thinking about how much time he spent on Jessica while like Sue was left sitting alone at the Wakefields. And she's just like, right, fuck this. She's like, as far as she's concerned, Jessica is not going to get the chance to wear her new negligee tomorrow night (laughs) or any night with Jeremy Randall. We can only hope. (laughs) Well, we cut to Todd's gaff when Country Club Lane, where Liz is trying to study, but she's still distracted by the mystery around Sue's kidnapping. Mm -hmm. And uh, they go back through a tedious length through all the evidence that uh, they have that they remember, that they never bothered going to the cabin. They just took Jeremy's word for it. The fucking police didn't go there either. That is, you know, I was going to say that is crazy to me, but it's the fucking Sweet Valley police. We know they're absolutely worse than useless. So, I mean. Yeah, I mean, I guess we shouldn't be surprised. (laughs) No, and yet we still are every time. (laughs) Well, Liz and Todd decide to, quote, do a little sleuthing. (laughs) So we cut to Sue and Jeremy, and where should they be but the Cypress Point Cafe? The fancy place. Yeah, apparently it's at, it was a Crescent Beach, which is like a nearby town. And it's like, oh, okay, we're just throwing in new towns at this stage. That's I mean, they've fine. got Moon Beach, I guess. Maybe it's sort of subsidiary is the Crescent, Crescent Moon. <laughs> yeah, there you go. A little offshoot of Moon Beach. <laughs> but yeah, Jeremy says he wants to take her somewhere super special. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she's like, do you bring Jessica here? And he's like, no, 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 of course not. Um, and then she asks about like their dates. Like, what do they do? Yeah, when they're out, like, and Jeremy sort of brushes off, you know. Oh, yeah, he's very dismissive. He's just like, oh, you know, we go to restaurants, hang out at the beach, we play tennis, like, you know, whatever, go see movies, why? Uh, and uh, yeah, Sue was like, oh, you know, I just hate thinking about the two of you together. And then Jeremy laughs because he's a prick and he's Ugh. like, oh, do I detect a note of jealousy? Um, so basically, Sue was trying to ask him, like, like, what's the story with the two of you? Like, she thinks you're going to marry her. You must be, you know, close. Uh, and she expects that the two of you will, you know. It's like, Sue, you can say have sex. Come on, you, you are older than Jessica. You're, what's it? What age is Sue? She's 18. She's 18. So she's, she's a 18. legal adult. She is. But um, but yeah, Jeremy just keeps kind of saying that, like, you know, he just kind of has to put up with Jessica. She's a lovesick teenager and, she, you know, he's just acting like she's really annoying, um, that she doesn't mean anything to him. Uh, and apparently Sue is convinced. She's like, oh, OK, really? And he's like, yeah, really? You know, you're the one for me. I love you madly. Um, so that's enough to convince her because she's decided, look, Jessica is just throwing herself at Jeremy. All this about them going yeah. on the way is all in her head. She's just like uh, a deluded fantasist. Exactly. And you know what? She's not wrong about that. I know. That's what my notes say. Like, this is. Jessica is, in fact, a deluded fantasist, but (laughs) Jeremy has been saying all this to her. 
<laughs> so yeah, she's reassured and she's like, no, Jessica's mm. just dreaming. Nothing's going to happen between her and Jeremy because he's saving himself for me. <laughs> saving himself? So that does imply they haven't done it either. I know. Oh, oh my God. But actually that was sort of implied when they had the really unlikely lingerie shower. Oh my God, you're right. And sure, it was, wasn't it the thought of, of um, Jeremy seeing uh, Sue in like <laughs> wedding night underwear that made Jessica throw the dress under the fucking wheels of the jeep or the truck or whatever. It was a truck on, yes. <laughs> it was enough to set her off for one of the most amazing moments. It's like the one good thing that's come out of this fucking abysmal series. Oh, that's... Throwing, like, <laughs> What we've had to go through for that moment, <laughs> I swear to God. That was the best. It was so like, good. Not only the best in this stupid miniseries, but it is genuinely one of the best moments in the series as a whole. Honestly, it's a top five. It's a top yeah. five moment. Yeah. Well, we coast to the cabin, um, which is apparently now so remote and high up in the mountains that it has its own climate. And while Sweet Valley is still bathed in sunshine and everybody's at the beach, this cabin gets snow. Yeah. Like, uh, <laughs> like this is meant to be really, in the last book, they were going to just parties there and they were home in half an hour. Honestly, yeah. Like it seemed like a really handy spot. Like it was just in some nature reserve park or something and it was like oh and there's this cabin and it's all very you know (laughs) nearby and it's like no now it's out in a remote fucking dirt road (laughs) off a mountain and it's creepy and isolated in the snow truly in its own microclimate um yeah so (laughs) when they get there they find a key to um to get inside and like it's all creepy and deserted uh but they search the whole place don't find anything so liz is really disappointed but then she suddenly realizes that there's an attic because she's picturing the cabin from the outside and remembers that there's like an attic window so she's like okay there's definitely an attic in here so like there's a way up to it somewhere and they eventually mm. find the little latch in the ceiling um, to open out the um, the kind of yeah. trap door, I guess, to uh, to get up there. With the Styra. Which exactly. Is there. <laughs> the Sweet Valley Styra equivalent. <laughs> so they nervously climb up. So we cut to Sue. She's in Stephen's room, her boudoir for the last <laughs> six months, I guess so. <laughs> Uh, Stephen's not planning on coming out for Christmas because uh, oh good. I keep forgetting this is a Christmas book because it is so fucking un-Christmassy. <laughs> well, she's dreaming about Jeremy, and very frustratingly, she seems to have completely forgotten what like a scary fucking thug he was in the last mm-hmm. book. Like yeah. she keeps saying, what what is uh what is it about him? She wondered, a dreamy smile curving her lips. And apparently he makes her feel safe and loved and taken care of. And what can when? <laughs> like the end of the last book, you were just like, oh my god, my mother was right. Um I really don't know him at all. He's just been <laughs> yeah. with me for the money. And even if I have to leave, that would be kind of my punishment to be oh, being so. with him. Like now it's oh, you know, it's all worth it for Jeremy. It's so annoying. Like you're so right. She keeps having these epiphanies and then just going back on them and being like, no, no, it's all fine. It's like for fuck's sake, Sue, just follow through on a thought for once, would you? <laughs> <laughs> well, the rigging phone, we're told, jolts her from her reverie <laughs> and she realises it's Jeremy calling for Jessica. So she picks up the phone to listen in. So sneaky. I love 
that. But uh, yes, yeah, so she's listening into the conversation and it's all Jessica like being all lovey-dovey down the phone and Sue just fucking hates this because uh, he's using this like soft, sexy voice that she thought was just for her. But of course, he's using it on Jessica and she's like, okay, he has to do this, you know, to 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 prove that he's in love with her or make her believe that. It's all an mm. act. It's totally fine. Um, but then he's telling Jessica all about this place he's found for them, that there's some friend of his from Project Nature has a condo by the beach. Like Project Nature are property developers it sounds like <laughs> they've got cabins they've got condos like what is the story with this fucking charity but anyway so there's this um yeah some fucking beach condo that he can get the use of there's a redwood deck and a hot tub overlooking the ocean he's like how does that sound to you and jessica's like oh my god that's amazing so he says he's going to pick her up uh the following night and he's like i'm crazy about you and she's like i'm crazy about you too so when they hang up then it goes back to sue and she's like well fuck this he actually is planning to seduce Jessica as they put um, and she's like I can't believe he lied to me he looked straight into my eyes and lied to me so once again it's yet another epiphany from Sue uh, where she's like you know he'd become her whole life but he didn't actually care about her at all so she's like why am I so weak why do I still love him um, so she's like okay the only only one thing seemed clear to Sue Jessica Wakefield wasn't the only one who'd been living in a fantasy world so the whole thing has been a big wake up call again for Sue oh, well if only she'd stay awake but <laughs> Just one of many wake-up <laughs> I want to see the story of the Project Nature condo owner. I bet it's like the apartment, you know, the Billy Wilder film. And, <laughs> and this guy is the Jack Lemmon figure who's like, who's, you know, boss at Project Nature, who is constantly using his apartment to seduce oh people, God. except it's a condo. <laughs> Write that fan fiction, listeners, call it The Condo. The condo. <laughs> it's not quite as catchy a title, but that's what no. we've got to work with. <laughs> Well, back in the cabin attic, Liz is briefly attacked by a bat and wants to leave. But then Todd um, sees the rope under the chair because seriously, they did no fucking clean up after they left this kidnapping attic. It is so hilarious. It's a full on fucking crime scene. (laughs) And Liz and Todd just trample all over it. Oh yeah. <laughs> so they're like, oh my God, someone's been tied up here. Uh, and they realize that there's like a box with like bottled water, cans of food. She's like, oh my God, someone was kept up here. And Todd is like, Sue? So they sort of stare at each other. And apparently Sue had said as part of her story that she was driven someplace far away, that she was in a car for a couple of hours. Um, and Liz points out that like the kidnapper could potentially have just driven around in circles and brought her to the cabin. Yeah, that's true. Um, so they're kind of like, okay, well, this is weird. So they're trying to just kind of reason it out. Um, but she then remembers how eager Jeremy was to keep them out of the cabin so they're starting to wonder if maybe Jeremy kidnapped Sue and she's like okay I mean he spent a lot of time at our house while she was missing but the cabin is close enough that he could potentially have made trips back and forth I mean close enough but it's got its own snowy but it's also yes exactly way up a fucking mountain range (laughs) and dirt road and completely isolated but also super close you know it's 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 many things at once this cabin contains multitudes sure does (laughs) in many ways So they wonder if maybe um, Jeremy had an accomplice uh, because someone would have had to play the tapes um, if Jeremy. And also, Sue, you know, wouldn't have known it was him. They don't suspect Sue was involved at all. They They don't think he must have got somebody to do the kidnapping, so she wouldn't see him. Yeah, yeah. So they're kind of just trying to figure out what's going on or what could have happened here. And then they find batteries uh, that could have been for like a portable tape player. Um, so Todd kind of takes the battery. I don't think any more comes with these batteries, actually. It's just like a weird Oh, detail, I thought this was going to be like a Chekhov's battery situation. Battery, not so much, no. <laughs> so they're starting to realise that, look, Jeremy definitely has something to do with this. They don't know quite the extent of it, but like 
something's off. It's to do with Jeremy. Mm-hmm. Something's fishy about this whole kidnapping, but they don't know how to prove anything because all they've got is just kind of, you know, the crime scene they've just trampled over <laughs> and also just a good feeling. <laughs> I mean, that's probably enough for the Sweet Valley Police. Although, hack on, it isn't. We find no, out more not. later. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, meanwhile, Jessica is still tingling all over (laughs) what did you do with that phone (laughs) you only need one hand to hold the phone receiver (laughs) the other one was free true (laughs) so she's tingling all over from Jeremy's phone call Mm -hmm. and uh, then she's she drifts into a sweet, sweet dream. Oh, a wonderful, sweet, sweet valley dream. Uh, because, yes, she's uh, dreaming that she's at the condo, um, stepping out onto the deck. Uh, someone hands her a glass of champagne, but then she turns, uh, she holds out her arms and turns, but it's not Jeremy at all. It's Sue. And instead of champagne, she's holding a gun. <laughs> <laughs> Jessica opens her mouth to scream, Sue, no, but she's paralyzed, helpless, as Sue raised the gun, her finger tightening on the trigger. And Jessica wakes up with a start, like sits bolt upright, and she's like, oh my God, <laughs> what the fuck? It was a dream. It was just a dream. But then a shadowy figure <laughs> flits toward the foot of her bed, which is oh. scary as hell. And Jessica opens her mouth to scream, understandably. Uh, but the finger raised uh, the figure raised a finger to its lips because it's just Sue creeping around in the <laughs> dark, scaring the shit out of her. <laughs> Oh my God, if somebody did that, I would scream so loudly that like, even in Sweet Valley, people would hear it and come to investigate. People would materialise into reality to be like, oh my God, is she okay? (laughs) Well, Sue says she wants to talk and Jessica's like, "Uh, not now, Sue. (laughs) (laughs) But Sue basically um, reveals all. And like, Said, talks about her mother disinheriting her and <laughs> how Jeremy got really angry when he heard about this and then he started asking questions about the Wakefields in Sweet Valley. Oh my goodness, yeah. Hmm. So yeah, he wanted... Um... He wanted to know all about them. And she was apparently, yeah, at the time, Sue was kind of like, you know, what's what's all this about? At first, she was jealous because she didn't understand why he was so taken with a girl he'd never met. But uh, then she realised his scheme. So Jessica's like, what the fuck are you talking about? So, um, yeah, apparently one day Jeremy said the only way for the money to revert back to Sue was if they end their relationship. And she was like, yeah. Um, but then he was saying that maybe they wouldn't, that she wouldn't have to choose if there'd be a way to get both things. So he urged Sue to write to Alice uh, tell her you want to get married in California and he was going to take care of everything else. So, oh, I love this so much. <laughs> Sue reveals that it was a setup from the first meeting. Like that frisbee on the beach. Brilliant. Uh, first kiss. <laughs> Jeremy knew exactly who she was. He sought her out. Mm-hmm. And um, she, Jessica's like, look, She's dizzy with confusion and she says, but it couldn't have been a scheme. He couldn't have known I'd ruined the wedding. He couldn't have predicted that. Basically, Sue says, not so many words, that from the letters they knew that Jessica was such a psychopath she would never (laughs) let the wedding go ahead. Oh my God, it's so funny because yeah, it seems like basically Alice had been writing to Nancy all these years about what an absolute nightmare Jessica is. (laughs) I'm really worried about Jessica. She has no feelings. (laughs) <laughs> she's really acting weird you guys <laughs> um, 
So, uh, yeah, he it was a safe bet. He knew that Jessica would do something to stop the wedding happening. And, of course, uh, he bet right. Um, so uh, Jessica is speechless um, and she she refuses to uh, believe it. But then Sue is like, oh, it gets worse. And basically reveals he never went to Costa Rica. He's been here the whole time. And Jessica does remember the video, which seemed suspicious at the time, which of course she pushed out of her head. Yes. <laughs> she reveals the kidnapping was a hoax. She says that Jeremy will stop at nothing and her mother was right about him. And basically then says, I know you're going to shag him and please don't. <laughs> For your own good. Basically, yeah. Yeah, because she's like, you know, I know all about your big plans. So then Jessica's like, you've been spying on us and eavesdropping and you're just jealous. And these are all lies because you're so jealous. And uh, Sue is just like, oh, Jessica, I didn't have to eavesdrop. Jeremy tells me everything. And apparently like Sue, in a in an emotionless, monotonous monotone, <laughs> Sue relates details of a date Jessica had gone on with Jeremy. Little personal details she never could have known unless either Jeremy or Jessica had told her about the so she just like recounts whatever he said to her basically on their most recent date and Jessica is just like oh what the fuck so she tells her to get out Sue is like look you know the truth about him and about me you can do whatever you want with it um, I'm not going to tell him that you know I think it's safer for you that way you could turn us in but I hope you'll and Jessica just throws her out uh, again she's screaming like I said get out and it's just like the middle of the night but like no one hears anything in this house <laughs> that's insane so bizarre but anyway Jessica uh, just buries her face in her pillow and bursts into tears at all of these revelations it is a lot to take in in fairness yes <laughs> so the next morning Jessica cannot bring herself to ring Jeremy she is still reeling hilariously you're told <laughs> Jessica still hadn't fully absorbed the depth of Sue and Jeremy's deception the perverse complexity of their nefarious scheme <laughs> brilliant I'm so happy we've got the phrase nefarious scheme in a oh, Sweet Valley book like that's that. you know this series <laughs> is basically a pile of shite but there are these little gems every so often we get a little diamond <laughs> so she looks at her negligee and feels sort of queasy Mm-hmm. Uh, and then she dials Jeremy's number. Oh, yeah, before she can lose her nerve. So yeah. answers. Like as soon as she hears his voice, like she has to fight back a wave of nausea, which is basically how we've been feeling every time. <laughs> so he asks if there's something wrong because she sounds weird and she tells him that she's sick. So she's not going to be able to make it tonight. You know, the date of your friend's condo. So she's like, look, I have to you know, give a rain check. Um, I hope you're not mad. And he's like, oh, don't worry about it. You're worth waiting for. I hope you feel better soon. And they hang up. He tells her he loves her um, and she hangs up and like she actually thinks she's going to be sick after yeah. talking to him. Um, and this all does really check. I don't know. It just it feels real because like he's so gross. And now she realises how terrible he is that she's yeah. so repulsed by him. She physically feels like she's going to puke like after talking to him. It is. a very reasonable reaction to Jeremy Randall. <laughs> it totally is. And as you say, it is quite effectively done. Mm. Can't believe we're saying this. I know. Anyway. <laughs> Who are we? <laughs> We've all been on a journey in this everlasting series. Oh my God. It's a roller coaster that we can't get off. <laughs> Patience. <laughs> Well, when Jessica comes downstairs, Liz remarks on how awful she looks and urges her to stay home and not, you know, from school. But Jessica's yeah. like, no, um, 
I'm grand. And uh, she heads into school early because she can't face Liz. But then she realizes she can't tell anybody else what's happened because it's essentially so mortifying after mm. all her sort of, I'm so cool. Yeah. Um, I'm a, an engaged woman with my elderly <laughs> sex offender. <laughs> and uh, then she arrives at school, stands next to her locker, staring into space for half an hour. Pretty much, yeah. She's just kind of thinking over everything. But yeah, she's literally just standing there for ages. <laughs> mm. And uh, she's really angry at Sue, who she refers to as a poisonous steak. But mm-hmm. she's mostly angry at uh, Jeremy, rightly. And she is ac- ac- actually grateful to Sue um, for stopping mm-hmm. her sleeping with him. But then yes. there's really awful language about like Sue stopped her sacrificing oh, her God. virginity to Jeremy. Jesus, I know. And it's like if she'd given herself to Jeremy, she would have lost irrevocably something she just wasn't ready to give up. And it's just that thing of like girls' virginity is like a huge deal. But for boys, it's not. It's fine. Whatever. Yeah. They can just do whatever they like. It's not the same. It's a precious flower that shouldn't oh. be given away. It's just, I know. Oh, it's it's, it's gross. grim. But it also feels very 94 at the same time. Mm, true. In Sweet Valley anyway. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so uh, she realises that uh, one thing is suddenly glaringly clear. She was way too young for any of this. I mean, you got that right, Jessica. <laughs> <laughs> but at the end of what we're told, it's the longest day of her life, I guess longer than when Sam died and Liz was on trial for murder. She <laughs> hurries out. But Ken, be decked in double denim, Hell finds yeah. her. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, he's great. Yeah, apparently he overheard her at lunch uh, saying that she, uh, her plans for that night had changed. So then she's like, oh God, how much did he overhear? But uh, he just wants to know if maybe she'd be able to come to the Dairy Burger now after the game. He's like, oh, what do you say? And she's about to say that she's not in the mood. But then she remembers him saying that, you know, the gang kind of misses her because she hasn't been around. Um, And it's like, he was waiting for her answer. A hopeful smile on his handsome face. He's just a human retriever. Like, I love it. (laughs) (laughs) He's Mr. Peanut Butter. He is Mr. Peanut Butter. I was going to say Prince Albert was actually a human. He'd be Ken Matthews. But yeah, Mr. Peanut Butter, all that works out completely. (laughs) So she says that she'd love to go out uh, with everybody that night. Uh, So yeah, she kind of just feels like, yeah, maybe I'll actually just be a normal fucking 16 year old again for a bit. Because she has just felt really removed from like her old gang and school and life in general for the last while because of, you know, her weird fucking telenovela arc. (laughs) Which is thankfully drawing to a close. Honestly. Well, 15 minutes later, uh, Jessica is with Lila. She parks the Lime Green Triumph outside art supply store Paints Plus. Surprise, it's not just called the art shop. I mean, <laughs> I guess we can't kind of skim through this because it's basically Lila buys everything in the shop, including yeah. a collapsible wooden easel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Lila's got a plan uh, because apparently <laughs> Robbie doesn't seem to be getting anywhere with his paintings for his exhibition, so she's going to paint them for him. <laughs> I, okay. Um, oh God, Lila. <laughs> Jessica rightly says, "Like, what do you what do you know about painting?" And Lila's like, "You smear some paint on the canvas and call it modern art. How hard could it be?" Mm-hmm. And Jessica rightly says, if it wasn't her, it would all be Rembrandt's and Monet's. And Jessica's like, oh, I'm going to do abstract style because foolishly she thinks that is easy. 
Um, so she paints Jessica's portrait and it's an unholy mess. Of course it is. It's terrible. Jessica is roaring laughing when she sees it. She's like, this is the worst painting I've ever seen. My face is blue. And Lila's like, it's abstract and modern. I was painting your mood, not your skin tone. Uh, but Jessica is just laughing her ass off. She's just like, this is totally terrible. One of the worst things I've ever seen. So she's like, are you really going to hang this on the wall at the gallery and pretend Robbie painted it? And Lila's like, yeah. Uh, she's like, and it's not terrible. She's like, even if it was terrible, it would be better than nothing. And Jessica's like, yeah, I'm not so sure about that. Never mind. <laughs> well, at the match um, Friday night, Jessica cheers on Ken and there's some base. I nearly said baseball. I don't <laughs> care. Football stuff. <laughs> Scott Trost is involved. They're all calling him Scotty for some uh, reason. Where did that start? I don't know. Someone scores a touchdown. It's all fine. Ken, win. Ken wins the game. <laughs> or essentially Ken's move, whatever he does, wins the game. It's the other way with the Dairy Burger. It takes Ken 20 minutes to get to his seat because he's high-fiving people constantly. Yay! <laughs> Good for you, Ken. <laughs> <laughs> well, the gang is all there and uh, somebody asks Jessica, like, you know, what about Jeremy? Like, are you going to come to the Mistletoe Madness dance um, together? Mm-hmm. And Maria's like, oh, I suppose he's not into high school stuff like this. And Jessica's really uncomfortable. Yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah, I think Winston kind of changes the subject. I'm just going to ask how the, the plans for the dance are coming along uh, and it's all going fine. But um yeah, then Bruce asks Ken, uh, oh. what, like, is he going to fly solo at the dance? Oh, yeah. And this is where we find out yes. that Ken and Terry had broken up recently, making Ken one of Sweet Valley High's <laughs> most eligible bachelors. <laughs> like, you went to a mixed school. Is that how people thought about, you know, boys in it? Would you have thought he is oh. the most eligible bachelor <laughs> in Dungarvan? Well, yes, in the society papers of <laughs> Dungarvan secondary schools. Yeah, no. Uh, <laughs> But um, yeah, so there's a bit of back and forth about that. And yeah, so basically we know that Ken doesn't have a date for, mm. for the dance. Um, and Ken is dropping Jessica off home. Uh, but he kind of says to her as she's leaving that like there's going to be some people going to the beach disco the following night. He's like, you know, if you happen to be free, he's like, you know, if Jeremy's not around and you're looking for something to do. Uh, and Jessica's kind of non-committal. She's like, oh, you know, maybe, but like I'll see you in school and thanks for the ride. But uh, she is kind of feeling nostalgic even just for normal high school yeah. she's like oh it was like old times and I felt like a kid again for the first time since and she's like since Jeremy because she actually mm. kind of forgot about him for the last couple of hours because she was just yeah. actually having fun again Um, so she's kind of trying to think like what, what she's going to do basically so she reckons tomorrow she'll have to think of a way to break up with Jeremy in a way that he won't suspect anything uh, and then just have to like sit tight and wait for him and Sue to get out of Sweet Valley and she's like then yeah. I'll have my life back again <laughs> not before time mm. Well, later, I guess, Todd and Liz are getting hot and heavy, not that heavy or hot, um, in his car outside the casa. And uh, he says he can't release her from his clutches because she is, how sexy, the most huggable girl he knows. Oh, my God. Why does that sound creepy? It's so creepy, honestly. Like, if he had said the most, you know, the sexiest girl he knows, it would have been like, ugh, whatever, Todd. But at least, you know, that's normal. The most huggable girl I know. He sounds like a fucking pervert. Like, I hate it. He does sound like a fucking pervert. Did you read 8-Ball, the Daniel Close comics, like the ghost world came from? No. Because he is a character in it and it's so disturbing, the sort of thing that makes you want to wash your, your brain out called <laughs> Sensual Santa. Ew. And uh, all he does is just to hug people and it's Ew. so creepy and gross. <laughs> and that's, that's what this makes me think of. And it's not a good thing. No. <laughs> it's gross. 
<laughs> so, uh, yes, uh, Jess, Liz comes in and finds Jessica's on her own in her oversized football jersey, which is probably what she wears to bed. I mean, okay. Um, and apparently it was, you know, she thought it was really nice to have Jessica back in the Dairy Burger with yeah. the gang. It was like old times. And then Jessica bursts into tears and reveals all. Oh my God. Yeah. So she she tells Jess or tells Liz uh, the whole story. Liz is just like, what the fuck? I can't believe this. Um, and she just can't believe anyone could be so cruel and so mercenary. She's like, I haven't had a good feeling about this guy since the start. I never would have guessed he was this rotten, though. Um so yeah, she kind of comforts Jessica because she's like, what a slime. <laughs> she's like, and Sue faking her own kidnapping. Um, Why, that was so funny. It was just like, and Sue, like, faking her own kidnapping. Like, well, I never. <laughs> what will she think of next? Yes. <laughs> um, but she then tells Jessica about her and Todd going out to the cabin to do a bit of looking around. So Jessica's like, yeah, they were in on it together. Sue didn't say anything about being tied up, but they made it look that way, obviously, in case anyone found her. Um, so yeah, Liz is just freaked out by how cold and calculating the whole thing is. Uh, and I suppose the fact that Sue was like properly friends with Liz as well, she just feels like this is bananas. Like, so um, yeah, they're kind of wondering what the hell they're going to do. And uh, Liz thinks about Sam Diamond and the police on the trail of a kidnapper who'd been right under their noses the whole time. So she reckons if uh, if Sue thinks they'll keep quiet out of loyalty, uh, well, she's got another thing coming because they don't owe her anything. So, so Liz is like, I say we go to the authorities first thing <gasps> in the morning. <laughs> fucking time imagine going to the authorities who would have thought except of course for these goons the authorities just mean Sam Diamond and uh, the next day when they want to contact her it's Saturday morning and they only have her office number so she's not there and uh, they try directory inquiries but that's no use and they can't ask Ned because then he'll know about you know all this skullduggery all the uh, stuff they should be fucking telling their yeah. parents about Oh my god, it's so annoying. Oh, so annoying. <laughs> Liz, there's a great bit where Liz is like, what the fuck is up with Sue? Like, I like her. Like, how is she involved with Jeremy? Like, she's not stupid. Mm. And thinks, why would she go along with him? Is she a bad person or is she just lonely or boy crazy or spineless and impressionable or what? And Jessica has a moment <laughs> of very rare self-awareness. It is so unlike her because she kind of repeats in her head. She's like, boy crazy, spineless, impressionable. Sounds a lot like me, Jessica. <laughs> I mean, you're not wrong. You said it, not us. <laughs> well, Liz knows Sue isn't totally selfish. She knows she was wrong. You know, mm. she tried to save Jessica from making a mistake with Jeremy. Yes. And um, Jessica doesn't give a fuck. She's like, I don't care about Sue. Uh, thinks mm. it's a waste of time and energy to feel sorry for Sue. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, they decide that... Um, they need to go to the cops. Like yes. Jess, Liz says, look, Jeremy's dangerous. You know, we mm-hmm. don't know what he'll do next. So we have to go and hope they believe us. And Jessica reminds her that they have the video. Yes, of course. The video of the, the whatever, the money drop and him coming along to pick up the the briefcase or whatever yeah. it was. Uh, so they, yeah, so they head off to the police station uh, to chat to the detective that was uh, in charge of the case. Yes, uh, so they get um, Detective Belsky and uh, they say that they have important evidence of the Sue Gibbons kidnapping and Jessica feels like an absolute fool telling her her story and we're told, true to her promise, Jessica presented the whole sordid, outrageous story not leaving out a single detail or plot twist. Well, as we know, that will take a very long time. And just four hours later, Detective Belsky (laughs) 
<laughs> four <laughs> hours if you're fucking lucky. That's just like two episodes. Oh my god, that's so true. Two months later, Detective Milsky <laughs> had gathered results. <laughs> Where we are told, amazingly, that by the time Jessica was finished with her narrative two weeks later, Detective Belsky's <laughs> mouth was hanging open as well it might be. Oh, Mr. God. Oh my God. She's like, okay, this is quite the accusation. I am intrigued, but also this is hearsay and you said you had evidence. So Liz is like, yes, we have proof right here. Jessica filmed the kidnapper picking up the, the money and later she could identify him as Jeremy because of the ring on his finger. So they're like, okay, cool. So they they put the tape into a, a VCR player and um, then the picture flashes onto screen only in, instead of the actual like drop and the, the fucking gas station and all this, it's the opening credits of a sitcom. It's 1994. That's all I'm thinking. Oh, so true. But uh, so of course the detective is like, what the fuck is this? So Jess is like, okay, no, fast forward because it's definitely on there. And then Liz realizes apparently Stephen was home the other night. He must not have stayed the night because there's nobody to fucking put him. Um, and Steve obviously taped over the fucking kidnapper with his sitcom because. <laughs> <laughs> well, the cop literally just boots about. Yeah, fair. <laughs> Well, as usual, this pair of absolute goons decide that the best place to discuss their secret plans is uh, not, you know, I don't know, Seca Lake or the Box Street Cafe or, mm-hmm. you know, a, a field somewhere or just a <laughs> beach or even their own house. No, it is the Dairy Burger. I love this, that the Dairy Burger is the place to talk about, like, secret plans. <laughs> when it's the busiest fucking place full of all their friends at all times. <laughs> yeah, they find a quiet booth at the back where they think they're less likely to be spotted. Like, you know, where else you'd be less likely to be spotted? Anywhere else, literally oh anywhere else. In your fucking bedroom, how about that? <laughs> Well, Liz notices Jessica is uh, blushing and Karen, you can relate to her, <laughs> to her trigger. <laughs> yes, because Ken, of course, is standing at the counter. Uh, he's paying for some takeaway. Uh, and Liz is like, since when does Ken Matthews make you blush? She's like, don't tell me something happened with you two. Uh, she's like, no, no, nothing happened. Um, but it's just kind of also deceiving this whole kind of Ken and Jessica mm. kind of cute little moments. So just Liz has kind of realized, okay, something's going on here, or she like now fancies Ken or something. Yeah. Um, of course, Jessica did previously consider falling in love with Ken, <laughs> I feel like at some point in the series. <laughs> I also do not buy that Jessica would blush just at the sight of someone she fancied. Cause like she has been the horniest person on earth mm. uh, uh, multiple yeah. times. And That's true. sweet as it is to sort of get that reminder of what it's like, you know, when you fancy somebody and you see them out and about. Yeah. And so like, oh, there he is. <laughs> um, I still don't think somebody like Jessica, I don't think even I blushed if I saw someone I fancied. Oh, I like, definitely did. Constantly. Just yeah. when you saw them, talking oh, yeah. to them is another thing. Yeah, no, I probably didn't. <laughs> <laughs> I blushed a lot. <laughs> you can fit right into this town. It was just going around my rosy cheeks. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, I take it back then. Um, so, uh, yeah, Liz is, doesn't push it with Jessica and reminds them that they need to get, uh, reminds her that they need to get evidence against Jeremy and Jessica's like, and Sue. <laughs> I know she's just got it in for Sue now. It's kind of great. But um, uh, yeah, so that's it because Liz is like, oh, I wish we could do it without hurting Sue. And Jessica's like, don't get sentimental about her. She's nice. 
<laughs> it's like Jessica's ready to stab a bitch. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so she kind of, well, they kind of decide that maybe Liz shouldn't let on to Sue that she knows about all of this. Yeah. yeah because otherwise it might spook Jeremy or she might just say something. I suppose they feel like they just can't trust her, which is fair. Well, um, true, they can't. They can't. <laughs> so they need to find out uh, what Sue is doing all the time, basically, if she is re- meeting Jeremy on the sly uh, in like secret places. Um, so they kind of decide that if there's a way for them to like catch them together on tape, that would apparently be enough evidence to um, to to prove their their case. They're, they're in cahoots. I guess. Yeah. So they're like, OK, we're going to find find a way to catch them in a compromising position. Um, so, yeah, I think Liz kind of volunteers to to be the person to try and catch them or yeah. like film them with the camcorder because they have they're going to borrow Amy's camcorder. Yeah. Um but Jessica's like no no I should be the one to do it. I'm going to go after them. The sooner I face up to the truth the better apparently. Oh. So when they arrive home Jeremy rings just as they walk in the door and Jessica mm-hmm. feels just queasy having to fake yeah. being nice to him. Um so she tells him like oh I'm still sick in bed and uh, Jeremy says wish I could be there with you with a meaningful chuckle. Ew. But like at least now Jessica just can see how gross he is and is as grossed out by him as we are. <laughs> so True. some bit of satisfaction. So Jeremy offers to bring over chicken soup to her bedside and she's like, oh, God, make you sick too. And then he says, do you still love me? And she's like, yes, I do. Basically says, oh, I still can't wait to bang you in a condo. Oh, (laughs) God. She's so grossed out. It's just, oh, it's awful. (laughs) It really is. And she has to keep up the facade. And uh, when she hangs up, (laughs) who should she see flitting up the stairs? Why, it's Sue. She flits a lot. A super bash. Like, what's going on with her? <laughs> Maybe there was sort of a bitten by a radioactive bash thing going on in that she attic. Bitten by one of her bat pals. And now she also has rabies and flits around. <laughs> well, um, she decides that, uh, I mean, unsurprisingly, she thinks Sue was eavesdropping. Um, why Sue would bother hanging around to the stairs when she could just pick up another phone in the house? I don't know. But... <laughs> Anyway, uh, instead of doing exactly that, Jessica decides to run up and glue her face to Stephen's door um, to see what Sue does next. And of course, she rings Jeremy. Well, of course she does. Yes. So she can hear Sue saying, oh, you know, if Jessica says she's sick, she's probably sick. Uh, And then she can hear them kind of arranging to meet up. So she's like, how about tonight? And Jessica's like, aha, tonight I'm going to catch them together. So Sue, uh, she overhears her saying, oh, 8.30 by the fountain at Hampshire Place. It's some mall in Sunset Hills, a nearby town. Sure. Uh, okay. <laughs> she's like, yeah, that should be safe because everyone around here goes to the Valley Mall. It's like, yeah, because it's the only mall. <laughs> I want to know why this Hampshire place is shunned by all the Sweet Valleyans. Like, hmm. it seems they're always popping over to, you know, these various places up and down the coast. I can't believe Jessica would turn down another mall. That's very true. Yeah. But anyway, the, the plan is has been made. So Sue and Jeremy are going to be meeting at this random mall uh, that evening. So now Jessica has a a time and a place to catch them in the act. Yes, they're going to meet at 8.30 at the fountain and Jessica runs into her own room, her heart racing, because uh, we are told when Jeremy and Sue met by the fountain at Hampshire Place, Jessica planned to be hidden nearby, filming the whole scene. (laughs) And that's the end of the first half of 
a deadly Christmas? Like, I keep forgetting it's Christmas. <laughs> There's nothing Christmassy about it apart from a few mentions of mistletoe madness or whatever it's called. Yeah, the dance. Oh, God. Yeah, it's just, it's the unchristmas. This is what I was saying before we started recording. At least Margot put the effort in and was yes. working the halls with bloody bodies. Yes. She was making up jingles for the season. You know, she put some days. effort into it. They were better days. It was a Christmasier day. And this is just, yeah, a poor show by everybody so far. <laughs> Absolute, like, sh- just shoddy work. They're phoning it. Very shoddy. <laughs> Extremely shoddy. <laughs> Margot would never. Oh, <laughs> we did get the voice back though We sort did <laughs> It just it, it possesses people at random <laughs> Apparently Anybody will do yeah. uh, Well I know we're not going to have stats Till next time But mm-hmm. Do you have some outfits for us? You know I do uh, <laughs> <laughs> So yes uh, We find Jessica In her bedroom Oh yes When she's changing When she pretends She's going to the video club Meeting uh, mm-hmm. She has changed From her blue jeans And a cotton turtleneck Into a clingy Black tube Mini skirt And a gauzy Ooh. Ruffled top With a deeply Scooped neckline <laughs> Oh la la the gauzy ruffles are doing it for me. I'm just like, what is this top? Gauzy ruffles. I know. It sounds like a lot. <laughs> um, then, oh yeah, the outfit she's wearing when Ken compliments her and says she looks nice. Apparently it's a red knit t-shirt dress. It's one of her oldest outfits and totally plain, but uh, he likes it. So that's cute. <laughs> yeah, sounds fine. Yeah. Like, he doesn't like a t-shirt dress. Oh, sounds comfy. Um, then now these ones are weird because they are funny because it's like Jessica's like sexy lingerie, but I also kind of hate them because it's all in the context of going to bone J- Jeremy, which is just grim to think about too much. <laughs> but, um, Go on. So at one point she models a flouncy powder blue baby doll mm. <laughs> with a plunging okay. neckline, of course. Apparently Lila gasps when she sees it. Wow, uh, <laughs> I know, right? Uh, she also tries on a black chiffon gown that swirls sensuously around her body. Oh, these, are very, um, these sound like full-on dresses, like rather than underwear. Um yeah. When oh when Sue overhears the sexy plans, she's wearing a cranberry silk robe that she's picked out for the uh, the real wedding night. Cranberry. Mm-hmm. See, that was the color of my school uniform. It was kind of Ooh. a burgundy. And anytime I see anything in that color, it just like removes all glamour. <laughs> yeah. If anything's going to do it, it's a school uniform. <laughs> mm-hmm. Burgundy, maroon, even that Taylor Swift song totally spoils for me by just thinking <laughs> of my school uniform. <laughs> uh, then, oh yes, the uh, the the negligee she actually chose in the end was a mm. midnight blue silk and lace negligee that Lila oh. helped her pick out. So, yeah. That doesn't sound too bad. No, it doesn't. It sounds fine. I mean, yeah, they sound like actual dresses. Like they keep calling them gowns and stuff. Yeah. So it's like, is this like a full length see-through dress? What's happening? <laughs> it's sort of like Jaja Gabor kind yes. of like boudoir garb. Kind of, yeah. Um, and then finally we have Ken looking cute in faded jeans and a weathered denim shirt. <laughs> Canadian tuxedo. Love it. Love it. I know he's pulling it off. It's going to be look great. <laughs> And that is the outfits for the first half of this book. Oh, that's pretty good because that's only yeah. half. Like we have, we've had fewer in entire books. In the Tell past. me about it. <laughs> well, listeners, what did you think of a deadly Christmas? Are you as relieved as we are that we're on the home stretch? 
I think it's safe to say that yes, everyone is. Oh my God. I swear to God, that cheerleader trilogy cannot come soon enough. <laughs> well, you know where to find us. We are on Twitter at SVH Podcast. You can send us an email at svhpodcast at gmail.com. And of course, we are on Instagram at svhpodcast, where uh, thank you to, we, to those who educated us about split-level ranch houses. Now, in my imagination, that sort of up and down house in, in this country is usually like a very small Victorian terrace, <laughs> <laughs> not a sort of palatial ranch house. But I guess it makes the windows make sense. Um, sure. we, we also learned about turnips I, I truly did not expect uh, to learn so much about turnips oh but you my know god we just never know what to expect uh, with this podcast and thank you everybody for educating us because yeah apparently like what we know as turnips are often called a rutabaga in America so like in, I guess it now this may be a regional thing as well because some people were like no I'm American and as far as I'm concerned a turnip is like what we would call a turnip uh, but in some areas an American turnip is like a small radish uh, can be sliced and eaten raw in salads so like this was all absolutely a revelation to us so there's there's <laughs> turnips who knows w- words don't mean anything <laughs> yeah I mean w- didn't think we'd get so into turnip chat but we did. So thank you very much. It was Lucy B. 1974 who began the turnip research. Yes. Um, so uh, so yes, we, we seriously, and we've said it before and we will say it again. This podcast has been an education for us. <laughs> we have learned so much. We've learned about turnips. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> we've learned a lot about Sweet Valley Colleges. And I did like uh, Flucky Insolence's uh, point about Sweet Valley Education System because she said there must be special classes at the college that Robbie is attending for Sweet Valley. Congratulatory cake baking for kidnapping recovery. How to dress in style for sleuthing and subterfuge. Ooh. The art of printing <laughs> counterfeit, currency, counterfeit currency and strictly a lecture series. The Sweet Valley Police. Useless. Or hopelessly useless. Robbie <laughs> seems to take all the chaos in his stride. It's so true. He actually does. And actually, speaking of rescue cakes, I have to mention. Uh, oh, Elena my God. Cato sent us an amazing <gasps> email. Oh, my God. Like we posted it on Instagram. Might have to post it again because it was so good. Yes. Uh, so, yes, Elena's lovely friend, uh, Caitlin, sent her a rescue cake. <laughs> it was literally a lo- lovely cake with congratulations on your rescue on it. And I swear to God, I screamed when oh, I saw it. It just tickled same. me so much. <laughs> so well it, done, you guys. <laughs> and also, speaking of things that uh, that, that highly amused and uh, dazzled us, Maria Teresa Biblioteca got ChatGPT to oh, write a Chattanooga turnip salad <laughs> recipe. <laughs> and it was as amazingly disgusting as you might imagine. So bravo, Maria. And uh, ChatGPT, I guess, even though it's coming to steal both of our jobs. Well, look, in this case, specifically for the Chattanooga turnip salad, we will give it its due. <laughs> credit where credit is due. <laughs> yeah. Well, many of you were tagging yourself. Thank you for keeping it all in one thread because it's oh easy God. for us to find. It started out with Silent Spaces Shush, who said, tag yourself. I'm a Chattanooga turnip salad. <laughs> I just love it so much. Oh my God. I liked uh, Mia Clark Art said, I'm the seventh installment in this rooting five part four episodes <laughs> trilogy. <laughs> oh, 
this fucking series. <laughs> it has messed with our heads so much. I'm so oh glad God. the next few were like three parters and two parters and stuff because we can't, can't take any of I can't do it. <laughs> Wretched chinchilla said I'm the 1993 Jeep manslaughter recalled from the market after claiming the lives of too many hottest guys ever now being studied in a secret government lab by scientists hoping to use my mysterious power to shift in and out of the space-time continuum for evil oh I mean God. that Jeep they've still got it in SVU like <gasps> how did they not like this is it? this is the sequel to Christine that I desperately need <laughs> <laughs> I'd also take Lime Green Triumph, Christine. Oh my God, yes. <laughs> Stunning. Bobbins and Buttons tagged herself as Lila's young executive, Scarlet Hat, planning business takeovers, embezzlements, money laundering, and PowerPoint presentations. <laughs> what she and Muldoon said, I'm the two loaves of bread Alice Wakefield inexplicably keeps in the fridge. <laughs> Little Stargazer said I'm the Monopoly money That makes up Sue's inheritance <laughs> And hello Ali said I'm the fake moustache and dirt Smeared on Lila's beautiful flat face As she attempts to fall a kidnapping Dressed as a child electrician <laughs> But of course Oh God Okay Okay oh. We can't do all of them But I Oh my God to... They're so good They're so I'm good I'm just going to read out um, OGW nostalgias <laughs> I'm the newly discovered Sexual tension Created by the friction Of Todd and Robbie November's thighs Rubbing against each other <laughs> In the front seat Of Lila's two-seater Plucky <laughs> insulin said I'm Sue's bladder control Ideal for long hikes With Project Nature And being held hostage Down to a chair For several days Oh God Oh, and Kitty Ant gave us a blast from the past she said I'm Ned Wakefield's college class featuring private detectives diplomats with terrible daughters <laughs> and the worst attorney in California oh my god amazing I honestly excellent work everybody we'd love to read them all but we'd actually be here forever but they're all so oh, good they're, they're so, so good funny. please oh go god. and read them all um, <laughs> oh, there, I'll just read one more and then okay. we'll have to stop because Jen Fields <laughs> Jen B's Guild said, I'm a female executive with Sweet Valley Power, super pissed off that I was reprimanded for HR just last week for wearing a hat. I was told that hats were absolutely not part of the SVP dress code. And yet I just had a young executive (laughs) pass me in the hall wearing a scarlet one. Oh, God. (laughs) Okay, just one more, just one more. I'll cast it Dawn's house said, We are the bakers of Sweet Valley, heroically churning out commemorative kidnapping cakes, wedding cakes, sorry, your wedding got dramatically cancelled cakes, cakes to serve at teen jazz soirees. Just very normal cakes, really. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God, we're going to have to stop because we could seriously, we could read them all, but do know that we... We may not be able to read them all out loud because oh uh, the episodes are already long enough. But <laughs> we laugh out loud at everyone, and we kind of choose the ones we read at random. So because uh, yeah. we it's, just have to like squeeze a few more in. But there's literally like thirty. Oh my god, there's so many, and they're all fucking gold. I don't know how you do it. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so please, please keep them coming. Tag yourself um, in every episode because it brings us so much joy. And uh, if you would like to uh, have even more of us, um, and you can tag yourself in these episodes too, you can <laughs> get us in your ears every single week with our bonus fe- uh, series, Pi Beta Alpha, 
And you can listen to it by joining Headstuff Plus. Yes. So if you head over to headstuffpodcasts.com, you can sign up for Headstuff Plus for as little as five euro a month. Uh, and yeah, in doing so, you get access to like all the bonus content for every show on the network. Uh, and of course, for our bonus stuff, which is the PBA series, which is a scream, to be honest with you. It comes out in the off weeks between Double Love episodes. We're chatting about the Sweet Valley TV series. We're having a fucking blast. Like, it's such good crack. Oh we never God. know what's coming. We think we'll have a handle on what the show is like and then they'll just do something completely bananas in an episode that we did not see coming. Like, it's such good crack. Uh, so do join us over there if you need more Sweet Valley uh, goodness in your ears. <laughs> For just five euro a month, people. And uh, yeah, we've got a big backlog there that you can work your way through if you said mm desire so we will see our Pi Beta Alpha sisters in the clubhouse next week and it is going to be Christmas there too <laughs> weirdly it's Christmas all over the double love universe <laughs> I don't really know why uh, this keeps happening like it is quite magical that we it's have so these funny. I don't know how it keeps happening but stuff like this just keeps lining up really weirdly well so there you go it's going to be Christmas over there too <laughs> and by be the Alpha Sisters and anybody else who might be tempted to join us there it is going to be a Christmas Carol episode mm-hmm. with Jessica and Lila being visited by the ghosts of Christmas past, present and future. So come on, you want to see that. Yeah, I mean, come on, how could you not? <laughs> I can't fucking wait. <laughs> so Pi Beta Alpha siblings, we will see you in the clubhouse next week for Ready, Set, Snow. <laughs> but everybody else... We will see you back in the main feed right here in two weeks' time when at last... Oh my God. It's almost over. <laughs> We're nearly there. We're so close. Oh, so <laughs> close. Just one half of a book to do. <laughs> we will find out what happens when Jessica and Jeremy... Oh my God, we won't have to say his name again. Sue and Liz and... I don't know anybody else who happens to be around <laughs> face a deadly Christmas again <laughs> not the Irish sense no <laughs> very much not that <laughs> see you then everybody thanks for listening bye this show is part of the Headstuff podcast network a hub for the creative and the curious Shows are produced in association with Headstuff and the Podcast Studios Dublin. Find out more or become a member at headstuffpodcasts.com.